We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is uh, not here, but he might pop in. We'll see what happens. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies, be a most smart for your review. Uh, the occasional commentary track is something completely different, and this is something completely different. This is our uh, commentary track for April two uh 2023 uh we are talking uh, well we're we're wrapping up our i love la uh subset of commentary tracks we started off in january with uh john carpenter's assault on precinct 13 then we met it and headed into uh, beverly hills cop then we sat in some rush hour and now we are concluding with michael mann's collateral 2004's collateral um yeah that's what we're gonna do for this week this month's commentary track and joining me to discuss collateral, we have from Why So Blue and host of the Brandon Peters Show. He just hit a South Central deer. It's Brandon Peters. Hello. Also joining us from the Milky Way Blues. He knows everything there is to know about Miles Davis. It's Yancey Burns. Hey, guys. And uh, we have another guest, although he's currently indisposed. So we'll, we'll, we'll see when he pops in here, and I'll introduce him accordingly when that happens. But uh, how are you this guys? This is our TC. <laughs> how are you guys doing this evening? Doing good. Good. Glad Ready to, to collaborate on the collateral with y'all that uh naptown rap talents kicking in again yes um all right I, i'm glad to have you guys here looking forward to talking about all about collateral this should be fun look at this <laughs> hey! just in time here he is look at that oh boy join <laughs> unmute yourself sir so we can introduce you appropriately and put your microphone up to your mouth all right well joining us right here now from the rap he's looking to take a trip away from his troubles on island limos it's scott mendelson uh always a pleasure i apologize for jumping out like that no problem let me put We're... my hearing aids in so i don't talk too loud and then they'll give me a time code and i'll jump right in where you guys are we're, we're literally starting <laughs> we're literally about to start we waited a bit what? and we we're just starting again um so what we're gonna do here is talk about the movie collateral we all have it currently paused at five seconds in so if you plan to follow along with us uh, boot up your copy of Collateral, which is available on DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K. Pause it in five seconds, and on the sound of go, press play, and you can listen to us talking all about the Collateral. If you're just listening to listen, you're good. You just do your thing. Do what you want to do. Yeah, so, you guys ready? Yep. One, yes, we are. two, five, three, so three. Okay, three, two, one, Collateral. Okay. I can't recall if there was another, like, DreamWorks opening that had, like, they messed with the title. Black and white, yeah. They went with this, like maybe Gladiator. Does Gladiator do something that would not surprise me? Um, from the studio that will bring you Madagascar, where they went with this cool, steely gray blue thing, which is like eh, that's fun. It's like when wow. it's, so when it's when it's like not Warner Brothers or like Disney, it's like oh, that stands out because I never see them do anything else. Well, Aaron, I can answer this for you. Yeah, there have been weird things so. It, the completed logo for so there's a lot of variants here. There's some variants here. Uh, the, the gladiator one, you're correct. It's sepia tone, but here comes Jason Statham. Yes. <laughs> we want to we want to yeah. point out that let's point let's point this out right away since he's only in here for the three seconds that he's in this movie. But like seeing this, we'll talk about where we saw this movie. It's like seeing this in 2004 where Jason Statham's still like pretty much at his hottest. Right, he's like emerging as like a new action star. It's really Wait, cool to be like, the, the transporter just walked into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and from what I gather, he's playing the transporter. Yeah, that's like, they kind yeah. of just agree on it. They don't, it's not like official, like in any way, beans beyond, they asked the director, they said, yeah, that's fine. Um, but it's like a neat thing to be like, the transporter just stopped by. That's cool. <laughs> 
He was, and everybody liked him in the Guy Ritchie movies. That was kind of like the, yeah. yeah. Between the Lock, Stock, and Snatch, and then in like 2002, he gets Transporter. Transporter, and, yeah. So he's just popping up in things. Like he's what in Ghost of Mars, which everyone saw and raced out to see. It was a huge mm-hmm. hit. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, so are we going for non animation movie variants of the DreamWorks logo? Or yeah, no, because the, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. So Deep Impact has uh, stars in the sky. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, Minority Report. Uh, Take place oh yeah, that's like, that. underwater yeah. scenery. Yeah, the okay. ring, the ring has tinted uh, a, a different tint to it. Then it has a VHS effect added to it. Uh, Cat in the Hat has an animated DreamWorks logo that looks like Dr. Seuss. Collateral is black and white. Lemony Snicket's does some crap to it, uh, just like Heaven. The camera pans down from the clouds. The island has a way different DreamWorks logo. Uh, flags of our fathers is black and white, just like collateral. Sweeney. Okay, Todd. so we're going, we're going way ahead in time now. Like yeah. so, so there's plenty of uh, them. Sweeney Todd, uh, Kite Runner, Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, Fright Night, Need for Speed, Bridge of Spies, Girl on a Train, The Post, The Turning, Ghost in the Shell, and 1917 all have variations of the DreamWorks logo in live action. All right, cool. You guys are welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the information. Um, so let's talk about collateral. Let's talk about this movie. Um, here's Debbie Mazur's Randy Candio in this movie. Um, and what's that other guy's name? It's the guy that's like not Jamie Kennedy. The guy's somebody, yeah. Yeah, he's like here's a lot of things. <laughs> um, Snark, snarky McJerk face. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Guy like somebody. Me. Yeah. Um, this movie came out in 2004. Scott, when did you see Collateral? Uh, opening weekend, probably opening morning. Uh, Friday morning. Yeah. Um, saw it in theaters with a friend, liked it a lot. Um, yeah, it came, you know, the reviews were already very positive. Um, and there was a lot of talk about how this was a very early film that used digital video in an interesting way without, unlike, you know, something like All the Respect Public Enemies, did not look like a straight to DVD horror picture. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, about you? When did you see Collateral? <clears throat> oh, certainly. I'm sure the first weekend, probably. I do remember going to see it in Santa Monica. Um, yeah, exactly what Scott said. Of course, I the reviews were good. I was interested to see the 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 acclaimed use of of of, of the HD camera. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I you know I, my, I in the spirit of holding two thoughts at once, I would say this is probably the best one of the best movies of of its summer. But I don't think it's one of the best uh, Michael Mann movies. We'll get back to that, Brand W. Uh, DVD. I did. Uh, didn't get to it then. I was a college student at the time, so you hated Jamie Fox. You're just like, oh, oh, I was. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, actually, I actually liked him better in this than I did Ray. So, yeah, I, I, I was, I was pushing for. I wanted him to win that. Uh, I was pushing for him for that award. Um. For best supporting actor that year, I actually liked a lot of those performances, but his was my favorite of those guys. Um, up for it, and that's where I was wanting his win more than uh, best actor. But uh, yeah, so I didn't get to it to DVD, um, as SD video should be seen, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so and I, it was a really cool movie. Uh, like the big hook was watch Tom Cruise play this really 
awful human hitman guy, and I was in. Wait, this is SD video? I thought this was HD. It was digital camera at the time. It was D. Uh, it was SD. Really? And that's why it's a kind of a weird upconvert and stuff, so, and because you can't get too highly detailed. But the 4K uh, disc for it, um, really impressive because it, it they definitely went and took some time and um getting these scenes up converted ready for uh format jump but i'm yeah, pretty sure may- it was an sd camera that made me happy because i was like how do you do this in 4k and it's like oh okay <laughs> they pulled it off um inland empire i'm sure they can do well that's not 4k inland, still- yeah yeah they they restored it in 4k but they presented it on a standard blu-ray <laughs> yeah 2004. I think Jimmy Fox was the real story here. I, I was amazed. I think he, this and Ray, he was phenomenal. I, I didn't take him. I didn't know him. But I thought he was like a. I just knew him from that character he did on In Living Color, where he played a woman and kind of screwed up his face. I thought he was like another Chris Kattan or somebody. Shanae. But this year, I'm like, holy cow, two great performances. You know, he's oh, yeah. the best in this movie. I think from Booty Call to this, like it's crazy. Yeah, he's so good in this and so instantly believable as this what? character. Not a single drop of vanity. I mean, yeah, he's, he's very. Like, he's good in Ali. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got another great on before he well. was he was building to this like if you were watching him, but like it's crazy because he has that like another in living color castmate like Jim Carrey like the outrageous super silly guy turns into this you know can do these dramatic roles like because Jim Carrey's characters on yeah. uh, in living color were crazy and his first movie was like Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber where he's playing idiots and his is booty call where he plays an idiot and they kind of have a they kind of have similar paths to where yeah. they're trying to head that's the thing like I I grew up with both these guys as I watched in living color and it's like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say like a you know I always saw this coming but it's sort of like it didn't surprise me but it's like oh good Jamie Foxx stepping up to do things similar to like Jim Carrey who's already done like Truman Show and Men on the Moon at that point so like it's neat seeing Jamie Foxx go from like pure comedian to oh yeah he's mm-hmm. doing this thing also so correction hard for Jim Carrey even this part this is a this really requires dumbing a dimming dimming of one's movie stardom mm-hmm. it's really impressive so I have a correction the answer you correct it was shot in HD but it was mastered in a 2k digital intermediate so they okay. dumb, they shot it in HD dumbed it down to 2k and that's what the final product has why did they do that <laughs> yeah they do that a lot well I mean there's a lot of movies uh in the recent years that were shot in 4k and then mastered in hd too so it's just mm-hmm. a weird process they've done but so yes you were correct it was shot in hd and then it was mastered in 2k so there you have so it. i saw this movie opening weekend but i want to back up because this movie it, it's one of the first movies i like remember falling from like when it was first announced to like when it actually came out as far as like just hearing about this story like this concept and like tracking like where it was going uh like i'd you know i'd follow movies or whatnot but like from like hearing like this thing exists to now it's out in theaters and i'm gonna see what it looks like and i I remember the very early on days where there was just this idea um that i didn't know about like when the russell crowe aspect of it was there but when it was russell crowe and adam sandler it was it was russell it was russell crowe for a while he le- Sandler is on after Crow leaves. It's very close to each other. Like, but like, yeah, it was Crow for sure was involved. He leaves. Cruz comes on. Man wants Adam Sandler. Like, they, like that, that. That's like the the weird time with this thing. But like, backing up even further, like it's the story Stuart Beatty writes. Stuart Beatty has 
like a couple Australian films, and he has a story credit on Pirates, the first Pirates movie. And the director of I Frankenstein. Eventually, he goes on to direct I Frankenstein. He goes on to do a lot of crap, but like before that, he has like <laughs> <laughs> he gets this idea, like because he's in a cab, he has this guy's idea, he shares it with with a producer or the producer on this movie who shares it with Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont's like, cool. Let me give it to my buddy, Chuck Russell, who heads up like edge city production company. Like we'll make an HBO, you know, cheap movie out of this. HBO's like, no, we don't want it. DreamWorks buys it. They sit on it for like a few years. Um, and then it finally gets picked. Like they start working on it. Mimi leader is in- involved um, to possibly direct. Janice Kaminsky is apparently like considered to direct. Before and, Lost Souls. <laughs> and, uh, and and uh, Fernando Marais coming off a of City of God, he's like announced like he possibly could direct. He doesn't want to move away from his home to uh, you know L.A. for eight months, so he got drops out of it. Michael Mann gets on there. Russell Crowe leaves um, to do something called Eucalyptus with Nicole Kidman. Uh, that doesn't happen, but that's like what he left for. Like it's conflicted with the schedule for whatever that movie is going to be. I'm very curious what that was going to be, but that's what it is. Not Australia, something does. I mean, yeah, and then. <laughs> I guess Nicole Kidman's like, fuck that. I'm going with Baz Luhrmann. We'll do our own Australia movie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nicole Kidman just had Australia fever. She's like, she had to do something to Australia. Uh, Cruz comes on. Sandler gets attached. Then he's filmed, like, the thing's moving too slowly, so Spanglish gets conflicted, so Adam Sandler has to drop out. I'm I'm always curious if it's because Spanglish or because he just didn't feel like he was up to it. I don't know. I don't don't know if the, the deal is there. But, um... Yeah, Spanglish got in the way is the official story as far as Sandler not being true. But that's what I remember. could do this. He could, yeah. Perfect, like, yeah. And this is 2004. It's after I've seen him in Punch Drunk Love. And that's what I think it's 2002 when I heard about this movie. And I can, like, Sandler started getting attached. This is like, he plays a guy, drives a cab, and there's a hitman that's like, he has to drive around. That's neat. I'm into that. Um, He leaves. Jamie Foxx gets on because Michael Mann's worked with him on Ali. So he's like, yeah, we can make this work. Um. And uh, yeah, then we I'll go into other people that were considered, but yeah, that's the main thing. Like, yeah, it was the Sandler Tom Cruise thing for a bit. That that's like the famous thing that could have happened. What if? And then turns to Jamie Fox. Um, I think it's impressive with Fox here. It's like he's a guy that physically, like, you could if you saw him and Cruise next together, you'd be like, Cruise don't stand a chance. But he's able to play this character in such a way you buy that. Ooh, I'm weary about him taking on this Tom Cruise guy. Like, I feel like physicality wise, Jamie Foxx can be imposing, but he shows such range with this role that he, like, you don't even think for a second this guy could take Tom Cruise. Plus, entirely Tom Cruise agree. Is really intense here, too. Yeah. Um, they're both doing it quite well, but like, it, it's weird to think of Jamie. This is like one of his most, like, I don't know, um, I don't know, flimsy or like characters and stuff that, like, isn't harder well, yeah he's subdued he's he's low he's playing yeah. he's underplaying it you know he's he's right all he was before this. i had my chronology wrong that makes sense but yeah i thought all he was this but no all he was before this right so he's been in yeah. three michael man movies yeah yeah this and yeah his, yeah, his michael man right. so i guess i did notice him in ali certainly but still i was prepared for how good he is in this i mean mm-hmm. i don't think any of those guys you mentioned i don't think sandler could have he plays it. If this was the first time you ever saw Jamie Foxx, you would think Jamie Foxx was just some guy, you know, like he really just, you know, in the Hitchcockian nature of this thing, he just works so well as the everyman. You root yeah. for him so much. Data, data Pickett Smith, I suppose, was at the time already. Um, you root for him so much in that. I think that that not every actor would you root for, you know? 
Yeah, I agree. And that, yeah, and like you get this nice chunk of 10 minutes of time where you spend with Jamie Foxx. You just really just you're you're with his character. You get it. You're like, why is Jenna? Why is Jenna Pickett in here? I'm sure she won't come up again in the movie. Um, well, you can be what's Debbie, funny is uh, Davy Mazar. Why is she in here? Jason, right? Sta- Jason Statham was not coming back either. Yeah. It's such a strong standalone character scene that it almost works as a twist when she shows up at the end. Yeah, because she has enough to do to justify her being there. It's character building. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's job. Yeah. If you're paying, <laughs> a, although there's a huge hint that you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're paying enough attention, you could reason that it's gonna yeah. have to lead back to her. But yeah, yeah. It, it plays it well, so it's not it's not a giant contri- contrivance. If anything, yeah. he's coming. He's he just dropped her off at the same building he's coming out of, so it makes a lot of sense that they'd be that it's not just pure coincidence. It's like no, he just happened to follow this character. Um, yeah, she's the uh, Jay Pickett's the Mitch Ryan of this film. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Thank you. Gross point blank. Um, <laughs> Boy, there are certainly a lot of movies that look like this after this movie, but oh, yeah. the way they don't this, do it, it was really well, striking yeah. at the time. It I looks always... like L.A. Night in a way that no movie ever really had I before. I mean, Nightcrawler's probably the best that does this. Yeah. Well, yeah, if, you, if you're working with a filmmaker that's good enough and has the time and money to like make deliberate choices with this format... Obviously, it's going to be night and day from someone that's just they're shooting on video because it's cheap and in some ways easier. Well, he's a right. fincher. Sure. He's a fincher. He figures out the technology. Like not yeah. every. I mean, just because digital is easier doesn't mean you're an artist. All of a sudden, you have to figure he, out the format. When was the digital decided? Was it his when he came on board, or was it? Do we oh. know? Well, Lucas was pushing for it. So no, for, 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 for this for this film, for the film. Oh, oh, I'm for sorry. this movie, it's definitely man. It that's his, that's his choice. And even yeah. and yeah. and even like they he fired his cinematographer, um, the the one that was on before this one because uh, it's Dion Beebe does the cinematography here. But like it's uh, who is it? Where did I have it? Paul Cameron was the cinematographer, and he left because of different. I have to assume I have to do with experimenting with this format, which is something that's pretty. You new. Want to shoot this film on film? You're fired. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I mean, as far yeah, Lucas pushing it. Rodriguez, I think, is also yeah. like he he knew yeah. what he was doing with it. Yeah, right. Like, once upon a time in Hollywood, we, or ha ha. In Mexico, once upon a time in Mexico was the first time I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah, because it looked good. Where yeah, like movie, regardless yeah, of how much yeah, you yeah. like Attack of the Clones, my my issue with that movie is I don't think it looks very good. I agree. Uh, I mean, that, it's it's. I actually made a point to see it in digital on opening weekend after the midnight screen to see if it looked any better. Well, I and mean, it did, but not right and dead. He, he's yeah. doing a digital film with digital effects at the same time. He's doing a bigger load here. Yeah, everything's there's, there's growing it. pains. I get that, but I mean, it's the final product, the final product is like, well, this didn't look very good to me. <laughs> like, I, you know, you got, it got better, obviously. Oh yeah, I mean, Revenge of the Sith immediately. You're like, oh crap, yeah, is it? it out. Took one film and then he got it here. But yeah, but Rodriguez is a guy who, you know, between Sin City. Mexico, and then obviously, you know, the kids' films he does, like, there are choices he's making in those films that all, like, they represent the format well, like, it's something, I, and then, yeah, seeing this obviously, where it's not just the aesthetic, but, like, look, like, look at these shots, there's, like, these intense close-ups and everything, where you can really just see the detail, and, like, man's but, been wanting to do that, right? He's always been yeah. experimenting with, with camera stuff, like, the... Well, the, and then there's, like, Fincher, who, like, looks like no format change ever happened when you watch yeah. the movies. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> like, there's a brilliance to that. Like yeah, the, what, what makes it stand out is just his angles. Like that's how he's like, well, that's obviously not like a film that can't be a film camera. <laughs> like at that point, the way he's using things, um, man stuff. It's like because you know, especially because he loves shooting LA so much. Like 
you can look at like heat and feel like man, if man could remake heat again, he would do it just so we could shoot it digitally so we can get clear night shots. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Well, I, so I'll tell you what, the night shots are what like really impressed because I'm like, you know, it's one thing to watch this, but like having lived out in, you know, LA and stuff, it's like, wow, he really nailed that feeling of that. I mean, that look at grand natural light and stuff like that, but it really, this movie captures it well of walking these streets at night. Definitely. I keep misremembering that this movie wasn't nominated for best cinematography, which is surprising to me. <laughs> like, no, got, it was only what editing, it's and editing pops, and supporting. Right? Yeah. And they were pushing for crews too, weren't they? They I pushed, was... they pushed it all the category. I mean, not as hard yeah. as some other things. I could be mistaken, but I think there was a little reluctance at first to, you know, a reluctance to, uh oh, this is shot on digital. Because I know it was a big deal when Slumdog Millionaire, which was shot on Disney, won Best Picture just four years later. Um, I get the apprehension. I just, yeah, I can still, I can still see it happening. Is all I see. Yeah. What now? I'm curious. What did get nominated that year? For cinematography, The Aviator for sure. Because that's I've got Scorsese it right here. Richardson. It's um five. Where is it? Okay, The Aviator, House of Flying Daggers, Passion of the oh. Christ, Phantom of the Opera, and a very long engagement. I assume Aviator won. Four out of five ain't bad. Eight Avi- Aviator won. House oh, of Flying good. Daggers. Yeah, that's an amazing. Yeah, that's oh that's my a, god. Yeah, that's a great. Honestly, nomination. that's great, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I joke, but I mean, the Phantom of the Opera looks great. Yeah, it looks great. That's for not sure. the issue. With the yeah, that's not the yeah, that's not the oh, no, problem. That, it looks great for sure. Yeah, so they're five strong nominees. Yeah, especially it, it, if it's yeah. a political element to being digital. I can understand that not happening. I like how cozy Jamie Fox is when he's like he gets his is sandwich out promote? and he's got all these limos. He's looking at everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the body just completely destroys his day. <laughs> also, that just I love that it's just like we just drop a camera on the car. We'll do <laughs> that. That's how we'll shoot this. So let's talk about Cruise a bit. Um, Silver Fox in this movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. This was back at a time, the end of that time, arguably, where he was so assured in his stardom and his banking, his bankability and his drawing power that he didn't feel the need to necessarily run through the generic I'm still a movie star motions. Right. This is the only this is the kind of role he takes after he's kicking ass with stuff like The Last Samurai and Mission Impossible 2 and et cetera, et cetera, you know, et cetera. Um, and this, and Vanilla Sky also, they were, again, mm-hmm. you know, broken record whenever we talk about Tom Cruise, but that, you know, he was a huge star without having to just make action movies all the time. And yes, this is kind of an action movie. And we can debate to what extent, you know, whatever. A, you know, it was, it was not, sold as one, probably. It's, in, it's innovative, though. That's the yeah. that's the key. It's not because it's more a hitch. You know, it's it's more North by Northwest Hitchcock than yeah. you know from yeah, Love. Yeah, it, I mean, um, the Coen Brothers could make this movie like that's yes in that wheelhouse of that type of thing. And speaking of which, see, we eventually De, De, De Palma, see a, De Palma could make this. Like, yeah, we eventually see a pre No Country for Old Men Javier Bardem. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. And but yeah, but this this is almost the pinnacle of Cruz's stardom, really. I mean, the fact that he could make a movie like this and it would actually be a big hit. It opened to 25 and change. It legged out to 100 million the summer of 2004. Um, it did, I think, 220 worldwide on a 65 budget. 
generally speaking, I would argue that 2004 was sort of the last summer where you had a slew of adult skewing movies that did just fine, thank you, alongside the more conventional tentpoles. You had Troy, which, by the way, made $450 million worldwide. Yeah. Um, you yeah. had this, you had the Manchurian Candidate, the Village, you had the Born Ultimatum, which technically is PG-13, but isn't for kids and it wasn't aimed at kids the growing spread of a supremacy supremacy i'm sorry supremacy, the, yeah. the good one yes not, the not, not, it's the it's the one you like more <laughs> yes <laughs> the village manchurian you said manchurian canada yeah uh, uh the, the blockbuster that we all knew was happening fahrenheit 9 11 yes um, well, yeah i mean <laughs> i i'm assuming it was an r-rated picture so i assume there weren't that many young children flocking to that one catwoman uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'd say the interesting too thing with Cruz that we all appreciate now and stuff, but during oh, no, the Ruffalo times, just entered it and he gets a sweet guitar riff entrance song. And it's, it's, like, a, you know? it's, <laughs> a, it's what Ma, he deserves. Mark Ma Ruffalo in this one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's, he's um, pulling off the ethnicity here. He's coming off of You Can Count on Me here. He's big guy. I mean, no, he's coming off may... 13 going on 30, right? That's where he's coming off. Where he's fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, if I may slightly digress, Ruffalo was doing so well for himself as just charisma incarnate in romantic comedies like Just Like Heaven and, and 13 he Going the, on 30. He had and the even, Cusack factor in that. Yeah, yeah. And, but there were huge numbers of audiences that didn't see those pictures. To say nothing of, of films like this or In the Cut, in the cut or yeah. Zodiac. Yeah. So when they go to see The Avengers in 2012, this, you know, to them, new to them, firebrand of pure scorching gee whiz movie star charisma. You know, I said then and I'll say now, that's a huge reason why that film works as well as it does. Yeah. Good actors do oh, good actors. Oh, yep. I, mean, I have nothing against Edward Norton, but it would not have been the same. Yep, true. Yeah. Well, no, he's like, yeah, he's, he was good before. Like, he was making, I don't know, there, there were kind of like eh, movies that he made enjoyable by his yes. presence in them. Like, a, what was that? that Jennifer Aniston, the... Kevin Costner one? I was yes, like, Rumor has a, it. Rumor not has a good it. movie, movie, but, a good movie but he's good in it. Just like Heaven, like all these. View from the top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you can't afford Mark Ruffalo, um, Patrick Wilson is available. Right. <laughs> Which like that's he had the same like I mentioned Cusack. Cusack was like had the same thing. He had these movies that were like yeah, but he was fun to watch in them. Um, and he had that. He, he was such a sensation in that you can count on me though. I'd never yeah. seen it before. Yeah. it was like Marlon Brando or something for yeah. the first time. Yeah, that was his breakout role. Yeah, it's it's yeah. these shots that I like because it's like man's like he doesn't need to put it against the 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 dark background you know the nighttime background mm -hmm. but he can because it's digital camera he doesn't have to put it against like a wall or something and it looks good it looks he, real so much stuff yeah. in Ruffalo's hair yeah like characters that look like Michael Mann film characters right like <laughs> caught in this HD world which is cool I mean it's like Tom Cruise looks like a stylized character from the eighties mm -hmm. with his silver coat and his hair you know and he's in this world that looks more like the real world speaking so speaking of Ruffalo by the way Val Kilmer was originally this role oh okay. Valkyrie was cast in his part. He was supposed to play that role, but then Alexander happened, and Oliver Stone famously shoots very quickly and under budget. So obviously, it wasn't a. <laughs> uh, you got Duggery Scotted. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think he actually just took Alexander instead because it's a media oh, role. That's fair. Yeah. What, what I was saying about Cruz is what we've learned so far. He has, regardless of whatever, stayed his course and done his thing and it's really kind of panned out for him like when he did top gun 2 it looked like a oh boy is he getting no he actually wanted to fucking do top gun 2 like is a passionate 
project there. It's not some slouchy, you know, up oh, here's the here's the IP again. Um and yeah, people get excited for these just done his thing and because he's pretty one of a kind, right? There's no, there's rarely a, I can't think of a spot where it's like, I need to do this because, you know, to pay right. the mortgage. Like, I don't, I don't know what that film would be. Like, right. Ever, like Tropic Thunder is like, yeah, why not? Why would I not want to do this? I, yeah. Rock of Ages is maybe the one curiosity I have as far as like, why? Austin Powers and Goldmember. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, Tropic I, Thunder. He, I don't think he did it to pay the mortgage, but I do think Night and Day is sort of this weird movie where he's sort of very much see look remind remember how much you love me i th- um, yeah that's I definitely like a movie let's make it but let's do something I do fun. Think it's compromised yeah. because of that yeah is that that's definitely like it let's do something fun just to like break up the the pace of yeah. these serious movies i've been doing <laughs> um and i will say this obviously in this film he is completely the asshole the villain there's very little quote-unquote tom cruise charisma you know, the extent where it would be inappropriate. And one thing I love about him is, you know, a couple a few years later, he plays in uh, Lions for Lamps, and he plays this firebrand, you know, U.S. Uh, conservative senator, and he never winks. He never does anything to assure the audience that no, don't worry, he's just acting. He's not like that guy in real life. And I remember that movie came out around the same time as Charlie Wilson's War, where you had Julia Roberts and Tom Hanks playing somewhat conservative politician characters. And all due respect, it was full it was full of winks and nudge nudge and don't worry, gang, we're really, you know, we're still Democrats. Um anyway. Lions for Lambs, that's the prequel to Edge of Tomorrow, his character there. Yes, right? yes. Right. We talked like... about Charlie Wilson's War. I love Charlie Wilson's War. Terrific movie. Um, it's a fun movie. I just I, I do take issue with those two performances because I think they're very <laughs> self-aware. Uh while Lions for Lambs, I mean basically it's Tom Cruise using the Tom Cruise tools to a terrifying degree. Yeah, mm-hmm. but basically the dip- playing Greg Stilson, a more realistic version of that. Yeah, but the, the yeah. problem is that Lions for Lambs is a very forgettable and not very good movie where Charles Wilson's War. I'm not going to say everyone's talking about it all the time, but it's oh, it's a more entertaining. It, a lot more people saw it. <laughs> yeah. I was up for some Oscars, wasn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. Phil, Phil Hoffman was, and they showed yeah. a, a ridiculous clip of him in the Oscars in this morning after. I was, it's like one of him, like just if you've never seen that movie before, you just see like this random man screaming with a giant mustache on his face. It's like, what was that? What was this? What is this? <laughs> when he all slams right, a glass door and breaks it, it's a great scene. This right here with the cop pulling him over. <laughs> he has to tell him that they hit a deer. <laughs> and the cop says, a South Central deer? That's it. <laughs> laugh every time. It's just a good line. <laughs> yeah. I'm a slosson. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, and that's, uh, what's his name? Richard T. Jones, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of little nice cameos in this movie. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh yeah, because I knew him from judging Amy at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, as far as other uh, considerations for these for Max and Vincent, um, let's see. Uh, Edward Norton was offered both roles. Um, hmm. DiCaprio was offered Vincent. Yeah, uh, Travolta was considered for. I assume Vincent. This was that time. This was like every role for Travolta at this time. Sure. Uh, Colin Farrell was considered. Uh, for for uh, Max, 
Johnny Depp was considered for Max. Uh, Stuart Beatty wanted De Niro um, be like, yeah, right, because Taxi Driver. Um, and, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he did go on to make I Frankenstein. Okay, <laughs> but uh, the, the, stu- the studio the studio wanted younger, so they said no to the De Niro idea. Uh, the most interesting one is Cuba Gooding Jr. was up for Max, or like they like they tossed that around, and he said no. He rejected the role, thinking he'd be miscast because they're just like, but your Jerry Maguire reunion. It's like I don't want to do it. But then years later, he plays the Vincent role in a movie called The Hit List with our friend Cole Hauser, uh, a movie that I reviewed on Blu-ray for Blaise of Blue, <laughs> like the first movies I reviewed. Wow. He plays oh, yeah. like it's no, it's not very good. It's like, but it's a it's a riff on this basic concept where he's just. He and he's dressed exactly like Tom Cruise is in this movie, and he's killing people, and he's in a really gravelly voice. And then, and Cole Hauser, you know, America's sweetheart, is um <laughs> in the in the Max role. This this De Niro thing is the dumbest. Like, no one going to a movie is going to believe De Niro is going to be this like he's this slick like, hit man. <laughs> no, oh no, wait, didn't you say he was going to be the taxi driver? Oh, sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, the taxi yeah. driver, yeah, the taxi driver. Like, no one's going to buy that. Nobody. <laughs> Uh, He'd be the fan. He'd be doing the fan again. That I mean, like... from a commercial point of view, the movie works because it's neat to see Cruz in this kind of role. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know who else you cast in this where it's as much of a, an event no, but, but, as Tom like, Cruise. Russell Crowe, it's an expected performance. Like yeah. you know he can do it, but there's no novelty to it. No, but Brandon, you say if he yeah, if he's the Max character, if he's the taxi driver and still you still have Cruz as the as the as the hitman. I don't know. You could be underselling how good De Niro could be doing. I'm not saying we needed this. I'm just and I and yes, it's I, it's I too much of a cute, it's too much of a cute idea. I agree with that completely. But I'm just saying, if anyone's capable of pulling off a performance, I'm not going to undersell what De Niro's capable of. Like, if you could do like his intern performance in this movie as a cap driver, yeah. a fan, a fan, I, there's the fan in this movie. Yeah. Right? Well, the fan is just well, yeah, they're, they're just murdering each other at the end with knives. Yeah. <laughs> but the first two thirds of the fan, he's just sad, meek guy getting fired and he's stuff. Still a, he's super intense. Yeah. He's just yelling on the phone at John Leguizamo and Ellen Barkin on the radio. See, this could have been a huge comeback picture for Cuba. Like Cuba could have done this role and it could have put yeah. it back. Like, and he whiffed. His instincts like, are not good. Not he good was, instincts. He, he was a daddy daycare too. Boat trip. Two. Yeah, two. Daddy they, they, up, they, up, they needed to upgrade for Murphy. So they're like, yeah, let's get Cuba getting was that Was that directed by Fred Savage? Uh, the two? two? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, all right. Because it's, yeah. yeah anyway. I, <laughs> Cuba, mm. yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't think that... he could. I don't think he couldn't do it. Um, no, but... I think Cuba could do this. Like this, this would have been a good t- and having the Jerry Maguire. Like this would have sold huge. It would have been. It already did. But think about that. Like mm. that have been. And what Renee Zellweger, <laughs> Jamie Jada Pinkett's character. There you go. That would. <laughs> or no, oh Regina King. What am I talking about? Regina King's the character. Which. Oh my gosh. That actually worked. Well, <laughs> and then and then Zellweger would have been Mazar at the beginning. So there you go. <laughs> Um, like the revolutionary road for the Titanic pair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, like Jerry O'Connell would have been played. Jerry O'Connell, the... Jerry O'Connell would have been Statham at the beginning. Yep. There you go. <laughs> this is the, yeah. Uh, fry, we'd we'd all get Kushlash watching this film. Jerry McCollateral. McCla- That's Jerry. <laughs> what's his name? Played, uh, the, the um, as far as other directors go, Spike Lee, Martin Scorsese, and Spielberg were all tossed around. Um. Lee and Scorsese actually seemed interested uh, in the movie. 
uh, actually sure. go back to Fernando Moraes. He wanted to make this movie to feel like After Hours. That was his idea for the, the his, what he invented oh. as the tone. Okay. After Hours. Um, That's fun. I can see Lee trying because this is like when I, you know, he ends up with Inside Man. It's Inside like Man, yeah. He wants to do a genre movie, basically. Yeah. Something commercial that could get him some. He could do this, yeah. Some cachet. Denzel would be the hitman. Yeah, obviously. Uh, and, and he'd be the capture. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Mookie yep. moved to LA, became a cabbie. <laughs> it's Mookie specifically. It's no one else. It's just Mookie. <laughs> Denzel and Rappaport. There you go. I don't want to drive the yeah. fucking why are you making a rap yes. <laughs> I just want to watch the Knicks. <laughs> the Knicks are in town playing the Clippers, and I just want to watch. <laughs> they killed him. You fucking kill. Oh my god. Uh, so he's Dick Ritchie. That's what he's playing. Yeah, the movie. there you go. <laughs> um. So, so Jamie Fox tied to the steering wheel. And now, uh, like this group of white guys, <laughs> like come after him. Um, we don't. We haven't seen Tom Cruise do anything. We ha- we've only seen a body, but we haven't seen him actually like show off his skills mm-hmm. beyond being like, you know, a cool customer that can move through crowds. Uh, seeing this for the first time yeah. in theaters, the audience really likes to respond to Tom Cruise murdering these four guys in a positive manner, since yeah. you know they're guys that are trying to essentially rob Jimmy Fox. But yeah. well, they're they're set up as you know they have it coming. It's yes. Yeah, you don't feel, you, you're not at all required to feel sympathy for them, but you know when you see him strike for the first time, it's like this guy's not fucking around. <laughs> it's like Tom Cruise <laughs> business. Yeah, he means business, and this is show you, man. It, this is just he is not getting yeah, out of this I, night. And I think it works toward you know when you get to the I, the second act climax where oh no wait he's a dick. Oh yeah, right. Because at this point, you're like I wouldn't mind if Tom badass Tom Cruise is my buddy and killed these guys for me if they were picking on me. Tom, that's Cruise, kind of what the audience is thinking. Cruise walking in, going, "Yo, homie." My roommate quoted that all the time back in college. <laughs> Yo, homie. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically from this movie. <laughs> you know, it, it, what they sell us on though is that like we're like, yeah, they had it coming, but Fox doesn't think they deserve it, even though they right. held him up. They're, he's kind of hoping they shoot him because yeah. then he's out of this situation. So Cruz takes on the silver, the silver hair. As we said, he's he's unglamorizing mm-hmm. himself. He has this kind of big, very hefty five o'clock shadow. Um, the the prep for this film, like this is Michael Mann, so he does research for all this stuff beforehand, everything. But uh, well, he had all of them do stuff, right? So Tom Cruise works as a FedEx employee for like a couple days to like get a sense of how to like go in and out of situations without people really noticing you uh that's got to be fun (laughs) that's his homework just be tom cruise blending in uh i believe fox had to like just like you know roll with cab drivers and everything do that kind of thing Mm -hmm. the jada pinkett stuff's the most interesting it's on the blue on the special features for this where like she like researched with like, like actual lawyers and whatnot and she met like people that would believably be her parents in this scenario which is like that's that's really deep for a movie like this like she's that's meeting a lot. yeah <laughs> just to like get an idea of like what these backstories on for all these characters like michael Bay doesn't fuck around <laughs> no this is 2004 <laughs> is, is this his first movie since ali am i missing something yep yep this is it i think i looked up is insider ali insider ali this, this right yeah 
and it's what Mohicans heat inside of this or uh Ollie yep this, yep yeah. yeah no he he uh he did a Manhunter Mohicans heat yeah he did Man a Merce- Mercedes commercial or is or is that Mercedes the the singer hang on <laughs> uh yeah it's a Mercedes released a trailer for a new thriller called Lucky Star, which stars Benicio del Toro in a British movie theaters and on television. The two and a half minute trailer centers on a gambler named Mr. H who bets and wins at casinos and in stock market, which garners attention of a shadowy government agents. Oh, so they're trying to go after that BMW Clive, Clive Owen money. Sounds like a Super Bowl commercial type thing. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Hulk, uh, what were those uh, Clive Owen commercials? Yeah. With the, yeah. With the higher. Yeah. The higher, yeah, higher, yep. yeah, that was in 2000. Angley has a little Hulk sticker in it, that was his uh, sort of signifier that he was making the Hulk next. Very exciting. I'm sure, I'm sure you watched <laughs> the, the... Angley's higher entry, like, oh man, he's doing the Hulk next. I was excited, this little band aid of the Hulk. I was like, oh my god, you know what? Too old for this movie, but a young version of Duvall would have been a good Vincent. Oh, yeah, falling down, Duvall, yeah, like, yeah, he'd have, he'd have, yeah, he'd have crushed it. There's Peter Berg. Yeah, Peter Berg, director, director. Um, director uh, just want to be around Michael Mann so we can yep. yeah. make movies like him. Wait, Michael Mann cameos in Hancock, so you got that going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a big like boardroom meeting scene with like Jason Bateman and like all these like big stocky guys are there, including Michael Mann. Uh, for some reason, Michael Mann, you know, he's not a small guy. Like he's he's got some help. <laughs> uh, it's the kind of thing like. Like there's that there's the story of 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 dogma where like there's a big like border meeting scene where Ben Affleck and Matt Damon like kill the whole boardroom and it's all yeah, it's filled it's filled up with big stocky guys because the initial idea was to make a big action scene out of it and so they're all like stunt men that have like squibs and stuff packed under it they cut the scene but it's, you still have the boardroom scene with all these big guys in there that's what it feels like in Hancock where they have this big boardroom scene it's like why is like Michael Mann and like all these other and, and then like what Hancock and Charlie Theron like blast through the building and all that during that scene. Scott, you love Hancock, right? That's like your favorite scene in the movie. Oh, yes. I do quite a bit. And no, I did not know Michael Mann was in the movie. That's neat. Was he attached to the director? Sorry? I thought he was. Wasn't Michael Mann, was he attached to the director to Hancock for a second? Yes. Yes, he was. Similar to this movie. I was very involved in watching the production of that one. Because I I remember that that whole, like, the initial um, draft of that screenplay was like, Will Smith's going to star this thing. He's going to play a superhero who... uh, is is washed up and he sleeps with his friend's wife or something like that was like yeah. the log line i kept reading was like and that's where it ended it's like what so what's the story in this movie like what's what are we doing here <laughs> movie finally happens like well it's not exactly what the initial pitch seemed to be but all right 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 so is there a sense that this is michael man i mean is this michael man for hire of this movie then and if so is he doing that because ali wasn't uh i guess beloved in all corners I think he just or came he just through it naturally through the. Yeah, he uh, Crow got him here. Uh, Crow okay. got. Uh, um, yeah, Crow. Crow was attached to this first, and he got Michael Mann involved, uh, and then Crow had to leave, and Michael Mann stayed. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I think he's just he's just interested in the material. Uh, like he moved it to L.A. himself. He wrote all these backstories and stuff. He's didn't you know he's not. He did all the work he does on a Michael Mann movie. Like it's not any different from any but other. He's got to share the movie with Tom Cruise and Paula Wagner. I'm sure, right? Like they're yeah, but you know, Cruise like Cruise the Cruise the guy that's like I want to work with directors I find interesting. So it's, I don't think he's going he here to run the show. But when I said earlier that I thought it wasn't Michael Mann's best movies, it's because I think it's partially Tom Cruise acts a little bit like a black hole in this movie in terms of he has to still be Tom Cruise, 
in a way that he wouldn't be if it was a complete Michael Mann picture. You know what I'm saying? This is sort of a, a little more audience friendly. I think Tom Cruise's instincts are a little more um, sort of right down the middle. Not, Elaborate on that because I don't know what you mean. I just think that they're that the way, you know, I we were talking not long about ago, uh, not too long ago about Miami Vice and how that movie is so Michael Mann that you have to watch it so closely. If you don't watch it closely, you probably think it's a terrible movie. If you do watch it closely, you pick up on the storyline because it's communicated so it's so terse and so you have to watch so closely to get what's going on. And I know that's the mode he wants to work in. And this feels more like that crossed with. A big Tom Cruise vehicle. Let me ask Just, you. A, let think, me ask. Let me ask you a question. You yeah. you love Cape Fear. Now that is a very commercial love Scorsese Cape. movie, right? That's a very compared to other Scorsese movies that are entirely personal to him. Yeah, but we know that Scorsese and De Niro have this brotherly bond that they're going to do it together. They're going to they're going to have some reason for wanting to do it. And I'm not saying I feel any kind of a clash. I'm just saying that. Heat and some and Ali and 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 the other pictures we talk about are are a little more terse, is all I would say. And this, I think, is bent a little bit more towards audience pleasing, which is not a knock against the movie, but it's the only reason I I always feel like if, if the Tom Cruise role were Russell Crowe or somebody who wasn't quite as, I feel like Cruise is very. Cruz adds a bit of a producer edge to him wherever he yeah, goes. He breaks his own instincts, and you have to listen to him because he's he's a filmmaker in, in some ways, you know. But I think just having to share the spotlight a little bit makes it a little bit less to me of a like a a tour movie, which is fine. Who cares? As I said, it's the was one of the best movies of that year, so I wasn't complaining at the time. But in the long run, it's not one of my top two or three. Although it's one of the better. If I, if I were to think of the best Tom Cruise movies in the last 20 years, it would be up there probably. I hear what you're saying. I like this movie a little yeah. more than you, I say, I guess, as far as the, the man canon goes, but I get what you're saying. I mean, it's like, if yeah, if you're coming off of Ali, which is a multi-year affair to make and wasn't as successful as they might have hoped, yeah, yeah, your your instinct is to, let me make something a little bit more commercial so I can keep making movies the next time around. And then, yeah, he pivots to Miami Vice, which is the most man after this movie. Yeah. So I get it. I, I do think it's it's inter, you know, interesting, whatever you want to call it. You know, Cameron Crowe makes Almost Famous, which does is not a success. So then Tom Cruise rides to the rescue with a more commercial. <laughs> it's almost although, a hit. Mm. It's an Oscar success, though. We got a lot of Oscar nominations. Yeah. Oh no, it's a great. It's one of the best movies of the two thousands. But I digress. Oh, yeah. um, so you know, Tom Cruise comes right to the rescue with the comparatively more commercial uh, Vanilla Sky, and then Even Michael Mann's Ollie that, doesn't quite. Movie. What was that? Is is Vanilla Sky it it like uh, it makes money? But like, is that a movie that is that movie that? Well, I think it's from a time when you had big movie stars and high concepts, and that was enough. Because yeah, I mean, oh. especially by today's standards, it's a glorious. You know, quote unquote, uncommercial probably would have gotten an F from Cinema Score, blah blah blah. But back then, audiences were I don't want to say more adventurous because that's not fair, but that was the kind of film that could be a mainstream, open to twenty five, led to a hundred million dollar domestic success. Well, the poster was a picture of Tom Cruise. It's all you needed. You go see it because Tom Cruise is in it. Exactly. So he 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 helps out Cameron Crowe when he's in a lurch, and then he helps out Michael Mann when he's in a lurch. Yeah, good point. Is Michael Mann in a sure lurch? Though? Like, helped out Christian McGuire when he was in a lurch. Holy shit! <laughs> is, Although is he man, obviously repaid him. Is Man in a lurch though? I mean, it's like a movie that's 
Ali was it's a it, it it does make money like it's not a flop by any means and it's a multi academy award no it, it yeah. makes 88 on a 118 million dollar budget okay so it didn't do well. I, mean, it, I mean i liked it <laughs> but it was a flop again it's very it's not the big bear hug of a biopic that i didn't realize it cost that much that's all yeah no it's yeah. it's an expensive movie <laughs> um because they go because they actually go to africa like they do things in that movie that that helps like it's a, it's very authentic oh in the head this whole sequence of barbara chaka henry um it's it's really good <laughs> and, but i also like that it's i do, like i don't know what vincent's game is here beyond well max is on to me i can't just leave him in the cab so I will just fuck with this guy, <laughs> like making it more personal than I needed to. Um, which I guess lead lends to credence to what you're saying, Yancy, as far as like if this was like a cold-blooded hitman, we wouldn't have this whole conversation set piece. We just have Tom Cruise like find a way to shoot this guy and get the fuck out of there. Right. And without I don't know. I mean, like, obviously that's a place where Michael Mann and Cruise agreed is to slow this movie down for 10 minutes for that scene mm-hmm. is the absolute right thing to do at this point. But I don't know if that would have been everybody else's choice to do. The variety and kills and that's the first one we actually like see, see firsthand yeah. too yeah and you're shocked but you know and we, we we're in fox's perspective because he hasn't seen the other ones at this point as well so we the kinda... tension in the, in the, the tension in the move in the tom cruise character is that he kind of wants fox to think that he's an okay guy deep down inside they're just yeah. doing a job right yeah. he's going to murder him but he still wants him to think he's okay <laughs> like, you yeah. know he's never going to kill jamie fox by the end you know he will not kill jamie fox or anything for some reason no, he won't kill him until the end of the night. He'll kill him eventually. But it's very clear that's yeah. when they tell the story of the other taxi driver. And this is what yeah. he does. Yeah. And it's also it's the same as the dude and Walter trying to uh deliver the money. He can't he can't hold the phone, deal with the contracts, and drive the car all at the same time. <laughs> he needs another I don't think he wants to ever I think by the end, I don't think he wants to kill Jimmy Fox. I oh no, he yes he does. Why would he he yeah. doesn't he wants not gonna string him along. He's got a I mean, the guy has a code and no matter what he's going to stick to the code even yeah. i think he does it will bug him but he's going to stick to his code at the end of the day yeah it's bothering him more than normal when he's dealing with this kind of he thing to, maybe you're right but he still, he it's his principle he's just a guy doing a job and it's like he, well i think he sees this as part he's he's a big part of the job the, the entire job as far yeah. as for the for this night i need this guy he needs to be with me at all times mm-hmm. i want to protect him and i'm going to treat him like a human when it when the job's done the whole thing's done. Burn it all. Burn it down. He's gone. He's out of there. Yeah, he's like, I want him to at least believe that he's going to drop me off in an airport and we're going to call it a night. But I'm still going to kill him. Um, this, I mean, you got to go back to like Heat, where you know De Niro in that movie is like, don't get too attached to anything that you can't drop in 30 minutes. And I think Cruz's character here loves. They're dressed exactly the same. He's dressed just like Heat, like De Niro is. De Niro would never do that. De Niro's character would never treat someone like that. He's got like honor among thieves. But, but I'm saying the guys that live by codes, their, their codes are slightly different. He's more brutal. He's cold. This guy's colder because he's younger. De Niro's experienced. He can get away with this kind of thing. He yeah. knows what he's. He knows what he's so doing. Does he? He doesn't push the issue at the end. Jamie Fox. He doesn't force Tom Cruise to try to kill him. It's it's, it's clearly he's going to do it. I don't remember. I haven't seen this in a while. Well, well, they, he, well, they get to they get into a standoff, and even then, it it goes back to the same thing. We're we'll get there. We'll talk about it when we get there. We'll put it that way. I think he likes him. Doesn't want to kill him. No, he. I mean, he does want to kill him. He tries to. He tries to kill him. <laughs> like so bad, but he has, over his own life, maybe. But I think he's trying to redeem himself through this guy somehow. I, they're certainly having more philosophical conversations than Cruz is probably used to having, being in these scenarios, just because of how personal the mm-hmm. the escort aspect of this relationship is. 
but I like this, by the way. That roughly I, I think the some of it, great. some some of it is to get Jamie Foxx to buy into thinking he's a special one when he is just the next cab driver to Tom Cruise. Right. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, because otherwise yeah, that, that, Cruise that. has to delay his whole mission so he can find another cab driver and do all the things again to get the, the whole mission back going. It's like I got a lot of his a lot of his thing is is getting details from Jamie Foxx that he will get he openly gave to Jada Pinkett earlier, but he's very reserved about with Tom Cruise even before he knows who Tom Cruise is because the conversation before he talks about his future ways wanting to do with with Jada Pinkett. Cruise gets in, has a similar approach, and he zips up and say like, i don't want to talk i'm not talking about that oh yeah the and, tones are all different and everything too yeah I mean, he's not yeah. you know he's not jada pinkett who he's trying to flirt with he's you know tom cruise is just another another ride right now this is a scene that only tom cruise and i can't imagine russell crow paul russell crow paul pulling this off this is a scene that tom cruise can can do almost better than any actor ever mm-hmm. maybe paul where he's got to suddenly be familial to this guy's mother well and he it with Russell Crowe, it would be a comedic scene. With Tom Cruise, it just kind of fits because it'd be it'd be more over the top because you know how intense that Crow is, and he has to. We, we yeah, we haven't seen like a lot of lighthearted Crow stuff hasn't come out. So if you'd see him change to this lighthearted, kiss ass tone with this mom, it'd be a lot more belly laugh played than just kind of a smirk. Yeah, people didn't so. people didn't fly in to see his comedic performances for Mystery Alaska and of course Virtuosity. Um, you don't feel bad. You guys don't feel bad at the end when he's on the train. Tom Cruise a little bit. I'm not saying no. no that's not no. that's not the argument that I made. Well, I mean, for one thing, yes, he's a terrible person. I mean, like there's there's an interesting irony as far as him telling a subway story, and then it you know ends with him being the guy that's alone on the subway. But as far as like he's a little bit more complex than you guys are giving him credit for in this movie. He's no, 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 no. He, he kills people for money. He's I'm a sure dick. He Just because he's complex doesn't mean he's supposed to be sympathetic. He's interesting. Yeah. He's supposed to be an anti-hero. If Jamie Foxx wasn't in this movie at all, it would just be a movie about Tom Cruise, the kick-ass hitman. Yeah. But that's well, then the movie would be different because we wouldn't be seeing... We'd probably be less likely to see that his victims are... I mean, part of the empathy for the people he kills comes through Jamie Foxx's eyes. And that's yeah. one reason he's there, is to prevent Vincent from looking too hip and cool and badass. Well, I, I don't you know, think pull Vincent us back needs, from the brink. Vincent doesn't need to be sympathetic. He just needs to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's he very be... interesting, but he's still a dick who kills people for money. This is also just to keep just in terms of like context around this film. This is uh, nearly ten or no, it's it's ten years after we've gotten Pulp Fiction and we've had all these cool hitman movies, regardless of how good they are. Where you know we have all these hip guys that are, it's cool to be a hitman. It's cool to be an assassin. And here's where it's like, this guy, he's a terrible person. And yeah. this movie wants to make it clear. It's not great to be a hitman. It's like, there are people that are affected. By this. I think where there's like a, a subtextual sympathy that you might have investing in here with him is that you, like I said, he's got this code, you know, he's got these rules and you're kind of like, does he complete these rules? Cause this guy always gets his job done. So you kind of lean that into kind of having stakes for him as a viewer knowing exactly. what he's capable of capable of that not like oh this guy's gonna get redeemed not like that sense but there is a sort of stakes with him okay i'm not saying he deserves to get redeemed but i'm saying the character as he plays it wants this jamie fox guy to think that he is just a guy who's doing a job and not a profoundly bad person or an evil person i can i, mean, I can see that yeah i, see, I, yeah, I don't yeah, think yes. the movie has wrong. any illusions about that Yes. yes, the movie okay. knows that he's a dick. He wants that from him, you know. Yes, that's why he lets him run away here. He could, 
He thinks he's, he, he wants him to. He wants some kind of absolution from this character for some reason. No, it's it's, it's the classic. It's not me. It's something you did. Yeah. It's, you know that that type of thing. Here's this running. Yeah, here's a Tom Cruise running scene. I'd be scared uh, if Tom Cruise run after me like that. Yes, I yeah. Oh yeah, without God. a without a gun. It's intense. Like it is. <laughs> yeah. Like it is a. It is a full all my weight forward charge. Like, yeah, really like Tom, Tom Cruise was not close <laughs> to Jimmy Fox. He caught up yeah. to him. <laughs> he was very far away. By the way, going back real quick to the mother scene. Um, yeah, see, it is very funny. And that the line before they even get there, when he asks if he wants to buy flowers, like that woman held you in her womb for nine months. That yeah. is a killer line that Tom Cruise can sell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As far as us liking him or, you know, having some sort of empathy, the, the other thing to keep in mind, he's Tom Cruise. I mean, yeah, the guy bleeds charisma. Like a little bit. Yeah. The guy bleeds charisma. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, we're inherently going to, I mean, this is one of what, three villain roles he has with um, Vampire and Taps. <laughs> so, I mean, like Vampire, he's an awful person. He's, he's worse than anything. Like, he's the worst one. And But you're like, oh, I don't want Tom Cruise to leave. I got to deal with Smoky Brad Pitt for the rest of the movie if I get rid of him. <laughs> Yeah, true. I like how like very dead these bodies seem, and when I say that, I mean like yeah. the bullet holes look like what an actual bullet hole looks like, not like a brain's been blown away in some cartoon movie. It's like it's just like really small holes because this guy is this professional yeah, hitman. Man, man got into that with Miami Vice too, with these really forensically accurate like uh-huh. <laughs> people being blown apart in these two ways that are, you know, he spent a lot of time looking at this stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. One fifty. He's a Van Halen fan. <laughs> Spike Lee's Clockers is another one that has uncommonly realistic bullet wounds. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, intentionally for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, Ruffalo never tried this hair thing again. I just keep looking at that hair. <laughs> it's awful. Much. In, in, it's, in the cut is similar. Is it? Is it? Okay. In the, in the cut's very similar to this, and they're around the same time, so it makes sense. But he's, but yeah, he's playing like he's not scuzzy in this, but he certainly seems like a guy that's like you know awake most of the hours of the night, uh, and that's like the it's, kind it's of like, role he's playing when he's not playing romantic guys or whatever. It's like this the guy. warm and fuzzy is he's well, a warm and fuzzy yeah, charisma is what it is. He fights against that and isn't in the cut, but and he's, they're, like, he's, they're like you're still a pledge. You can't look handsomer than our leads yet, so you need to have <laughs> the slick yeah. back hair and the goatee. So sorry, and he is the representation of lawful virtue a guy you know played by mark ruffalo so he is somewhat charismatic and he is presented as a possible exit for jamie fox so when tom cruise kills him that sort of solidifies the whole yeah yeah tom cruise is a dickhead yeah it's oh, the, and it's cold well, too I mean, yeah yeah he's the biggest red herring in this movie because you because you you absolutely yeah. he's he's scatman crothers that's his character in the movie. <laughs> yeah yeah, no, it's exactly, and I like the surprise of that. You, I mean, building into, um, you know, his side of the story that ends up leading in a hail of gunfire. Uh, the I smartest mean, character in this movie, by the way, the, the smartest character in this movie is Peter Berg. He's like, I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I got to direct the rundown in the morning. I'm out, I'm out of here. What else? Nancy, were you saying something? Um, I don't recall. Okay. <laughs> the last thing we thought when I was bl- blurting out. Uh, there were 17 taxis used for this movie. Total. Oh, yeah. 
How many uh, were used on the film Taxi with Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon? The world will never know. Um, only um, Tim Story knows that answer. Um, the rare Tim Story movie that didn't get a sequel. Um, this movie was set in New York in the script originally. It was actually there's I have some other other stuff on what it was originally. It was originally called The Last Domino, and mm. it was going to be focused on a black female cop who sees a hit, and then there was still a cab driver and his librarian girlfriend involved. I don't know what that movie is exactly, but that's not the... Uh... It evolves to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, Beatty is, credit... is the credited writer on this film, but I'm pretty sure Michael Mann did like heavy rewrites as far as where we're at. I looked up Beatty uh, <laughs> recently wrote the first three and season finale of uh, Obi-Wan. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Do with that right. what yeah. you will. Yep. Yep. Hmm. That was just the last movie where Cruz, I guess you probably talked about this, where he's taking something of a chance or. or no, Lions for Lambs. No, there's other things. Well, the Valkyrie was seen as him. Yeah. Are we but allowed to talk about that? That's a, that's a Ratner esque filmmaker. Are we allowed to talk? There's a lot of people does that, on that does list. Does it exist? People. There's a lot. Yeah. Does the movie exist? I mean, given, given the movie itself, which. <laughs> it's another one of those. Oh yeah, that did that did happen, I guess. But uh, that was the first movie I saw when I came back from Israel. Valkyrie. Oh, that congrats. that in it was that in um what's it Frank Miller's movie that Scott loves. Oh, spirit, spirit of <laughs> back to back. No, oh, wow. you, you did Rock of Ages too. Yeah. That's sort of the line with the Magnolia part a little bit. Well, because he's not like the focus, but it's like, well, it's Tom Cruise. Anytime he's on screen, it's like, yeah. Well, and there was some hesitancy about Ghost Protocol because of three at the time. And there was the rumors that, it, like, what they were going to, Jeremy Renner was going to take over Mission Impossible. Oh, and, right. And was like, the, or was that? There was rumor after three that Brad Pitt was going to be the new I remember that. Mission Impossible. Now, when we say there were rumors, does it really go beyond that? Because that's my question. It's like judging no. judging by I've Ghost heard Protocol, everything like, from it was always bullshit to stories claiming that Tom Cruise refused to shoot the scenes that would pass the torch, and thus they didn't happen. But it's like watching Ghost Protocol. It's like. What version of this movie is Tom Cruise giving up at the end to be like you yeah. go, Redder? <laughs> like there's no Well, I kind of wonder when I saw it, I was like, are they gonna flip on us and he's gonna be John Voigt for this one? Because there's <laughs> there's because I, I go in there thinking I'm like, well, there's a planned transition here, and like, no, it's just a new mission impossible adventure. He's talked about how and it was awesome. <laughs> he's talked about how McQuarrie really saved that movie. So I do wonder if there yeah. really was like a version of that script mm. where it was more you know, you do me kind of thing with Renner, and then Macquarie comes in and is like, let's just make a fucking great movie instead. Yeah, was that before or after Renner's Born movie? That's before, but before Renner's still it. on the rise after Hurt Locker. Renner, Renner's signing up for character is kind of like an office guy that gets pulled into the Mission yeah. Impossible team. Yeah, he's Brant. Yep. He's the guy. He's, 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 he's Tom Wilkinson's assistant, essentially. <laughs> Suddenly he's in yeah, the field. So he like well, no, that's the, no, the other thing. He has a backstory. He has like a tragic backstory or whatever where, that Cruz was involved in, mm -hmm. right? Like he didn't protect him. Yeah, and he was the guy him. assigned to watch his wife. Yeah, he thought, yeah. And you know, he and, effed and, like, up thought, in one way or another. Yeah. And... So that, that's why he went to be the, the office guy. He got out of the field. <laughs> yeah. So the movie, oh. the movie is essentially more of I'm like not only am I not giving you my role, but I'm bringing you back to to work under me. 
like, as, as, as punishment for it's, even suggesting you could take over for me. It's funny, and especially in retrospect, you know, I mean, Jimmy Renner isn't the first generically handsome white guy that was pitched as the quote unquote the next Tom Cruise, but he was brought in to replace, you know, Matt Damon as Jason Bourne, replace Tom Cruise on the Mission Impossible movies. He was cast as an Avenger, all of from one little scene Oscar winner that, yeah. <laughs> well, star was on the rise. He, like he had been athlete. around for years on oh, TV and yeah, he, he had that. I mean, he was very good in the town, but most of these roles were cast before yeah. the town. What's his? But he what's seemed his, like a James Cagney sort of in the town. Yeah. He, he never yeah. struck me as he was going to be a big star. What's He's not really that handsome to be honest. Is, in it, yeah, he has know? a pug face. Um, but what's He's not going to be the new what, Tom what, Cruise? That, that would be wild. What serial killer did he play? That's that got a. Is it Manson? Oh, he played. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the one that was just done by the. Uh, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer. Yeah, yeah. He, oh, he, yeah. He got a, he got a lot of big notice for Dahmer, which probably got him hurt locker. Um, yeah, he was the bad guy in uh, SWAT, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, you, you're the SWAT, you're not. Yep. Scott. Yeah, yeah. You're the SWAT, you're not. That's the line. You're either SWAT no, and, or you you're know, not. Oh, okay. If it sounds like I'm bagging on him, I'm not because I think it's how he's used in the MI4 is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think great. he's incredibly charming and charismatic in that picture. Yeah. In a way, partially because he doesn't have to be the sto- stoic. He's like hanging know, over the fan. For he's like, you know, he gets, he's like he's, getting over the fan. He's more yeah. insecure than crew. Like the the gift with four is that it's like okay, let's stop making it. Let's let's remind people that this should be impossible, and these characters actually think that as they're doing these things. So yes. like so Cruz and Renner one. are thrown into situations where like, how is this going to work? I well, four is <laughs> the one where none of their gadgets work. Everything goes yeah, haywire. Yeah. yeah, it's a big. That's it's, it's why four I like is the first one. The first three don't exist for me. Four is the first one. It's, <laughs> it's why it's why I like Rogue Nation a little more because I think Ghost Protocol is more a it, it's more a series of set pieces than story. Um, That's but, uh, one reason Rogue Nation is my favorite of the yeah, entire Rogue series. Nation's the top. I think it's the best mix of you know crazy ass stunts and real kind of sort of real world espionage action thriller. Anyway, back to Collateral. Both of Macquarie <laughs> back to Collateral. Bruce McGill. Bruce McGill, always happy to be here. Yeah. Who uh, who has replaced Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina was going to be in this. Oh, wow. Uh, but you got Bruce McGill, which is not a bad the inside, he had that big screen shouting at the oh, yeah. court. That was the role that kind of elevated him from that guy from MacGyver to crusty, prestigious character actor. Because he rules in that scene. In, oh, yeah. In, it's in it's a star. Yeah. Like that smile I don't say star making. He's been around for a while. Yeah. Uh, friends of the but, show, uh, David Bax and Tyler Smith, they host the Battleship Pretension. And they have an award every year for their award show that they do. That's called the uh, best, the Bruce McGill Award for best scene from a character under fifteen minutes. Uh, that's they, neat. They titled yeah they they titled their award mm. after that insider scene of Bruce McGill. That's cool. <laughs> and you know, it's as someone that liked him in MacGyver and was always a little, oh no, I wish he worked more because you know whatever. That was thrilling to watch. Both uh, both Farina and McGill, by the way, are Miami Vice vets. They were both on the show. Yeah. I feel like Bruce McGill, I mean, once JT Walsh passed away, Bruce McGill oh, yeah. easily inherited got, Yeah. Yeah, he inherited that. I assume any he was an animal house. roguish yeah. characterish actor of that era was either in Miami Vice or Crime Story at one that's, point. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> or wise guys. And if you're a music star looking to cross over, you also were either on Miami Vice or Wise Guy, like Sheena Easton or Glenn Fry from the Eagles. There he is. <laughs> now, however, we're up looking incredibly menacing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone's like very fit. Like everyone has like shaved hair, uh, you know, beard, like very low beards, if any at all. Everyone's very professional. 
Even McGill's like kind of slick back. Look at this. He's, he's kind of got a cropped more. He's usually a little poofier. So you got like a toupee on? Looks kind of like, like it's it's shaved it away where it looks like yeah. it could be if it if it was. Oh, Peter Berg is here. He goes home though. He doesn't stay around. He, li <laughs> he lives. Oh yeah, I think it's after it's soon. We're like we're Peter Berg. I think he just has a line where he's like, "I'm going home." Like this is a panic out. Anyway, Javier Bardem. Uh, before anyone really, you know, he has obviously he has had his very Spanish language films where he's he's nominated for the C inside. When like is it? It's soon. Two thousand six, maybe. Two thousand five. Maybe before that, because it was also what before night. Like he's he's like make, like he's quietly becoming like a you know a big deal. Um, oh yeah. Before he becomes like real you know real American in his roles, he has this one scene, but he studied for months to do this like Mexican American accent to get it just right. Because that's the kind of prep that Michael Mann makes you go through to be in his movies. And his second cousin does what now? <laughs> He's one of the best actors in the world. At Javier Bardem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He really I could watch him spit and do all day. I wanted to see his Frankenstein. That would have been good. I think he should have played the Frankenstein monster in the Dark Universe. He would have been. It could still happen. <laughs> it's never going to happen. <laughs> Don't say never. No. <laughs> Big, and big I surprise. say this with absolute sincerity, but he is absolutely wonderful in Lyle Lyle Crocodile. He is for, he for a movie that I was very bored by. Yes, he was a highlight of that film. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, very, very bored by in Lyle Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> uh, before Night Falls, yeah, he gets nominated. That's 2000. I guess he wasn't. I thought he was nominated for C Inside, but I guess not. Maybe you're mixing it up with the other one. I, 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 I definitely Bank. it's gold. He got a Golden Globe nomination. It just didn't go to Oscar. That's what it is. Yeah, he'll have one three years from now. This movie, by the way, yeah. BAFTAs yeah. for Collateral. It got a number of BAFTAs nominated. It got six BAFTA nominations, including Fox, which makes sense. I think the Ray thing really pushed him through there because normally BAFTAs are like uh, saying no to the people of color, but what they, Fox squeaked through, yeah. I guess. It also got one MTV Movie Award nomination for Best Villain. One of the most important awards you can get. Yes. Yes. They didn't get nominated for Best Kiss. Uh, it's, it's number six, squeaked squeaked out. Uh, <laughs> Is that 2004? So the Notebook wins that year. Right? Yeah. I was looking to you specifically, Brian. I know you keep track of who wins Best Kiss at the MTV Movie Awards. I, I was I know, um, best kiss was more more often a joke than anything else. Like it'd be like Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels or something. No, there's three. They, cool they would words. have one in there. Yeah, they would have one in there, and then be one joke, one, and then like serious. Is this the best Jamie Foxx scene in this movie? When he has to like go from being his character to playing Vincent. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's certainly the. A highlight because it sort of encapsulates his entire character arc in a scene. I don't know that Jada Pinkett scene at the beginning is great. He's yeah. so charming in that, you know. Fair. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a super impressive, I mean, best supporting yeah. actor. Uh, but, but yeah, that I was much more enamored with him than him doing an impression of Ray Charles. Uh, he's so good in he's, Ray. Like, he's very good as Ray. I get that you like this more. I like this more, but it's not, it's not like Ray's a bad performance. 
He's terrific as Rance, much more than an impression. I got what what Fox does well, I think, is the fact that he's a guy that doesn't imitate. I think he's very good at actually creating a performance out of these roles. That he How plays. do you do Ray Charles without that? You have to imitate him to a certain extent. But I I mean, but, yeah, but you know, you know what I mean. It's not a parody. Like it's, it's yeah, no, not, yeah. But he's he's finding what he needs, just like. I, like Mike, Mike Mann gets Smith to do with Ali. Like that's not a that's not an easy thing to do. Portray Muhammad yeah. Ali, one of yeah. the most charismatic and very personality filled sports stars of all time. And yet Michael Mann's like, I can I can get him to do this. He pushed sure. him. Got it. I mean, the important thing is this all leads to stealth. So, or <laughs> uh, Jamie Fox uh, never better. So, like it was one of the TV ads I saw for that movie. <laughs> Jamie Fox has never been better. Stealth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with your Some guys from like there. Fox TV or whoever the fuck wrote that one I Am Legend review, Jeffrey Lyons or whatever. <laughs> I Am Legend thing yeah. that said one of the best movies ever made. Um <laughs> it did it did end us at the end of Josh Lucas, the big Josh Lucas run. Yeah, it like, became, oh, it's it like was alternate McConaughey. Whole, it was between him and Cole Hauser. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean Especially like, if you look at these performances of one for best actor for musicians, it's like this. I'll take Ray over fucking. Oh yeah, well, Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody any day of the week here. <laughs> yeah, it's not be yeah, a poor movie. One thousand percent, yes. But that's a case where they had to pick the fifth or sixth guy that wanted 12. to do it. There's twelve is else. the answer to that question. That's not an exaggeration. Well, yeah. 12 whereas guys. I don't think there's anyone that would have been better at Ray than Jimmy Fox. I mean, he just. It's obviously a more obvious Oscar-winning performance than this is, which is why we might want to sort of shine a light on this. But for me, that whole year, I was just amazed that he had both of these movies. Well, yeah, he gets you know? nom for this because the draft of Ray is so strong, right? It's like, Jamie Foxx, he was great both those movies, right? We got to nominate him. Yeah, and when he wins for Ray, it's like it's partially for this, too. You, you get one or the other, you know? You just, yeah, yeah, it's like when Jeremy Irons wins, not for Dead Ringers. Right. <laughs> which is See, I, I wish I thought that, but I feel like no one saw Dead Ringers. That's like the one of the best performances in the history of film. It wasn't even nominated. I think book. people have seen it. I mean, we're getting a TV show reboot, whatever, soon. Yeah, it's Rachel He's Wise. Maybe you're right. Oh. At least, but yeah, Goldblum didn't get nominated either. So I think they had something against Cronenberg at the time, at least. Two great performances. Well, say? Canada come live in L.A. Never nominate him. <laughs> Oh, supporting. Yeah, this this is supporting as much as Ethan Hawke supporting Denzel and Training Day. Right, a yeah. <laughs> it's just the nature of his character is supporting <laughs> compared to a glossy hitman. Well, I also think, I mean, to give them the benefit of the doubt, they knew he was going to be a frontrunner for Ray, so they tried well, to have their yeah, it's, too. It's all politics. I get that for sure. Yeah. It's a matter of what can we feasibly make happen. <laughs> like that, yes, I get that. Right. The taxi dispatch is the first AD who was going to be a temp voice, but Michael Mann liked him enough, so he's like, I'll just leave it in there. As if it's not it. Like they, 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 couldn't, they couldn't afford uh, Peter Boyle to replay the wizard. <laughs> Go on, get laid. It tells travel, Travis Pickle that. If you want to talk about contrivances in this movie, the the whole Mark Ruffalo thing is like, I heard about this guy up in the bay. You know, there was a cab driver. He went crazy, killed a bunch of people. I just thought there's somebody else in that cab. Like he just knows the exact plot of this movie. That's, yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like, all right, that's that's, 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 that's cute. That's cute. That's that's nice. <laughs> Oh, 
because he's, he's sussing it out he, now he's a good cop that's our understanding here because he's sussing out the same thing where it's like oh this is cappy he suddenly start killing people well to be fair the other cop was the one suspected something was going on the previous detective in the other case yeah he got the idea for but just the, yeah. the fact the fact that he's heard of this exact same you know he heard the he heard the he read the script is like i've heard about that before <laughs> <laughs> i read that script yeah. <laughs> it was called the last domino it had a black cop in it last domino that's a bad title yeah no, it's not, a, not a good one where collateral came from but this wasn't too long after collateral damage they almost changed the title because of that they didn't want it to be associated with collateral damage because it was it was um that was it wasn't successful yeah but they they stuck their i'm sure michael mann put his foot down and said no that's a movie like well nobody title, saw that collateral. so we can we can take the like why well no one saw that so we're we're home free with this title mm-hmm. pretty much we should run collateral and louis Mal's damage then you go home and watch damages on stars, damages on stars right? <laughs> or fx it was fx still before it went to stars we're talking over a lot of the we can't, obviously we can't hear the movie but like the music here you have james newton howard's score and then you have like what audio slave tracks as well as and, and yeah there's antonio, some Cor- chris cornell in there yeah, cornell and, yeah. and uh, antonio pinto is doing some music as well. like there's a and just like before, not now, yeah, but like before, beforehand, there's a lot of diegetic music that's coming out of the cab and everything, like the seed by the roots, which made me happy. Yeah, this stuff in general, though, like them just driving around in LA, like it's really, you know, there's no real sense of, ge- I don't think it's dictating the geography all that well, but it's certainly no. giving you a lot of looks at LA, which is nice. Mm-hmm. It just looks so much like driving around, which I guess is it's just, yeah. That's the thing, like, I don't, if you do this story in New York, somebody's seeing what they're doing. So they're getting caught fat. Like, yeah. I, I don't yeah. feel like it can last as long as LA. Yeah. Right. It's more sprawling where, yeah. So there's too many people, LA people aren't out and about as much. They're in cars and stuff more so than New York by quite a bit. Yeah. They're all gearing up. Like they're about to throw down. I don't know if there's a lot of the same like extras as Crank, which comes out like a year later, two years later from this, mm. <laughs> given that there's Mexican gangs. So the yeah, idea is that probably. Vincent has to kill five people that are all going to a big court case thing, including yes. the DA. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Like, what happens the next day when they go to the courts and they're like, they're all dead. It's like, what is does the case? <laughs> well, like, does the case get thrown out? It's like, what is the goal? Yeah, I mean, you can't prove that the defendant hired the hits. So, like, but it I mean, also yeah, includes... two plus two equals four. But so the case gets dismissed. But it includes Pinkett's character, the prosecutor. Like, if the if the lawyer is murdered, isn't there like any kind of repercussion on the judges? Well, the, the, well, well, the bodies might not be right? found at by then either. They found they're on the they're literally in the hospital. They know they're there. Well, some of them read the ones that were found were in the hospital, but some like. If he's I think I would argue the DA one is more, you know, sending a very public message. That seems pretty egregious to me. <laughs> That's the Joker yeah. killing the guy in Batman, like in the broad There's a the coyote, yeah. Great. And here's That's poor the, Jimmy the, Fox the caught in the middle, just a law abiding citizen. Yeah. This is the moment I'll always think of when I think of this format coming into play. Is this oh yeah, because it captures the eyes. That's yeah. the coolest Batman. thing where it yeah. gets the, the eyes of the of the coyote. 
you just wouldn't see it wouldn't look like that on film you know yeah exactly for, sure. for the listeners uh that are uh that's an actual coyote, not Peter Coyote, the actor. He's not. Yeah, he's, it's not. It's not keys walking around. <laughs> yeah. Remember in Los Angeles at night, you'll see Peter Coyote walking around. <laughs> That's the legend yeah. of Peter Coyote. He just walks his around. Eye, his, <laughs> eye, his eyes shine. You get red eye when you take ca- camera. Take yeah. a picture of him with camera. He had, he he has a bet with Sam Elliott that he can narrate better, so he just goes around finding people to tell their stories. I don't know how old I was when I realized that his name probably wasn't Peter Coyote at birth. <laughs> it wasn't his, his birthright. Peter Lichitz or something. I'm sure. Yeah, it's Peter Lichitz. Yeah, That's what it is. <laughs> is that what it is? No. <laughs> I just hope it's the most Jewish name possible. It's no way it's Peter Coyote. I just realized, wait a second. I can't well, he was up. just he was going to be like Madonna and just go by Peyote, but someone's like, eh, I wouldn't do that, yeah. you know. As far as I understand it, by the way, that, that coyote seed is entirely like planned. Like it, but I like that it's shot in the way where it's like that could feel like man just found a shot and picked it up. But like it's it's very deliberate, but it's still, I think, presented well without being like bashing you over the head of the message. All right. Uh Robert Peter Kohan. Yeah, I just found it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not coyote. And Kohan, so it's not Cohen, so it's not even vaguely Jewish. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's always the name. You know, whenever you make a joke about changing your name, the real name always has to be something sort of ungainly and Jewish. Yeah. That's how it works. He was one of the founders of the Diggers, an anarchist improv group in the Haight-Ashbury That's district. where he got the Coyote name. Yeah, no, he's, yeah, in, the, in San Francisco in the mid-60s, it was an improv group. Yeah, uh, There's a section of his uh, Discovering Zen. Yeah. <laughs> he's... He was the voice of the Oscars for a second there. They called him the voice of the Oscars. He was sitting on stage. Remember that? Mm-hmm. He alive, by the way? Yeah, he's a he won. He's, yeah, alive. he's alive. Let's get him on the show. Let's do yeah, an interview. Let's call him up right now. Got, you yeah. got people. <laughs> you let's work. call him right now, Peter Crane. <laughs> what, what, what are you guys talking about? We're watching oh. Collateral. Watching collateral. You're not oh, in this, right, are you? Right, right, right. <laughs> he was in the Comey rule recently as far as things he's that he like, did. <laughs> he's like, no, but I like Collateral. Yeah, Michael Mann, old friend of mine. We tried to collaborate once or twice, but it never worked out. I was going to be. It's going to be Howard Cosell. Yeah, it's going to be Howard Cosell. <laughs> this club scene's the only scene shot in 35mm. Uh, everything oh, really? else is digital. This is the one scene they shot in 30 because I imagine it's just the way it looked. Right. No one can shoot a, a shootout at a club like this better than Michael Mann, that's for sure. The stance that Tom Cruise takes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I like yeah. about this is that it's it's very chaotic, yet I'm never lost. Like this is a very chaotic yeah. scene when he gets into action, mm-hmm. but like I'm still like the geography is very clear to me, which is impressive for a scene like this that has so that Ruffalo part feels digital, but it's not. Yeah, yeah man, what is he doing? Speaking of the born supremacy, you got like Moby's uh, one of his songs playing in the in this club scene, a remix. Mm. What's Moby up to? Is he waiting for? the call to uh, do it to do some, it to do another some, no, he got some b- bad stuff with uh like natalie portman like trying oh to yeah that old thing a yeah. couple and then right. like, Ew, creepy. Like, no. he's like i groomed her myself damn it i'm claiming that because that's he's like that's... we said hi at a party once <laughs> so so he's not gonna get invited to another version of extreme ways nope okay <laughs> remember when every song from that play album was licensed every single one was licensed to something he yeah. was everything he did the mission impossible like yeah. he did yeah he did a lot of people stuff. couldn't get enough of moby 
And then they did. Yep. And he was gone. <laughs> we still make it. We still got an album every other year. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he does some background studio work all the time. Like I, oh, yeah, he he knocked he knocked the shit out of some themes on one of the CSI spinoffs. Did he do like a Bond, like an alternate Bond theme for one of them? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. He on uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, your favorite. Um, I like how Tom Cruise gets like more aggressive the closer he like i get why but it's just like he just gets so much like he's yeah he like juices himself up to be like all right get into character he, like gets super angry now <sighs> ah, he says he shoots well, <laughs> and you know we're near the end of the film so this is sort of the scene where we get to see full vincent yeah this is that the, makes sense him at his most vicious for sure yeah because is me at my most well like it, it's crazy that he's, he goes through this but like People are gonna like identify this guy. Like, like he's where's he, he go, where's he going after this? Like, you dye his hair, grow a beard. I mean, to yeah. be fair, in this scene, like he kills the guy, that he's in the cab before foxes. Like, he's out of the club yeah. before foxes, so he's, he knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, if you just killed all five of these people and you couldn't prove, it would look suspicious. But yeah. that would be it. the case. Would I be. Guess. I like, like how this like is the scene of, we looked at this wrong because like everyone's in the right here, but they're like, no, he saw the gun. He thinks it's going after him, but he's not. It's such like a, if we just stopped and talked. Oh. I like that Bruce McGill also like he, he doesn't die. He just gets shot in the leg and is like, well, that's me. I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying down. Just that look of like, ah, this didn't go the way I wanted it. I didn't realize he had such a big part in this person, Miguel. He almost would have got yeah, an action Yeah, he takes a chunk of the second act, yeah. yeah. Action figure series. Yeah, when they come out with the Todd McFarlane sculptures for collateral, I hope Bruce McGill's a part of the package. He'll be in wave I want, two. Yeah, I, will, I want him <laughs> laying down, holding his shot. He'll be in wound. wave two with Peter Berg and uh, Jason Stone. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this is it right here. Like, this is the end of it. He's like, ah, damn. Shouldn't have got shot. <laughs> Why did I wear my vest on my chest and not my leg? And then there's this weird move coming where Tom Cruise gets like hassled by like three guys and he like they're like all holding his hand to stop his gun and he somehow like wiggles himself out. It's it's crazy like what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they know who he is. That's, mm-hmm. that's not good. He's pissed at Jamie. Yeah, he's pissed, but he won't kill him. Not yet. <laughs> well, he doesn't want to have to explain himself to another cabbie. I think there's more to it. We're not saying there's not more to it. I still think just the end result is dead. Like that's the, that's the difference we have here. I guess right here where you like they all five yeah, of them holding this guy's arm. You guys are right. You've seen it more recently than me, but I remember that being the thing I remembered most was this weird motivation of the Cruise character. Look at that's the juice somehow... of this movie. That's yeah. I'm not, we're not de- we're not denying that there's not something more. There. He's a sociopath, obviously, but yeah. as far as he's concerned, he you know. He and this cab driver were just both doing their jobs, right? Boom, right. Ah, oh, knife. Yeah, right there. Like, he, like, he's wormed his way out of three people holding his arms, and now he's, yeah, murdering people. And then this roll's cool. He does this thing. Well, the baton swings, like, those are calculated. Yeah, on the ground, just. Yeah. I can't see Crow doing this stuff. He was already getting a little big, wasn't he, at this point? Okay. No, he's just, he's did Silver Gorilla, man. He's, like, the best shape of his life during this movie. I guess, I mean, he's not, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, so it, you can see it. There's something to like the way Tom Cruise is aiming, shooting. That it's like you know he's on target, like without yeah. even yeah, exactly. seeing where it goes. Like, well, it's, it it's, is... it's stereotypically determined Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, no one, Terminator not many people, 
not many else can like pull that off. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, I doubt Tom Cruise even like stuff. shoots guns for fun. Like, and he's looks yeah, like he an did. extreme marksman. Yeah, he did multiple months of gun training for this movie. Obviously, here Mark Ruffalo gets just shot dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's insane. Like, and it's the only one that's like sloppy because he's the, like the whole thing of Cruise's Vincent is that he does the you know two in the chest, one in the head. Yeah, very very all the time, always, which is what's going to fuck him up at the end of the movie. Well, but, and how <laughs> kind he is to Jamie Fox. You're like, oh come on, bud, let's get in the car. Yeah, was, wasn't <laughs> that? Yeah, wasn't let's that go. wild? That was crazy, right? Like that's like, the whole cool. reaction he has in Fox <laughs> right there when he crashes the cab. Yep. That's the that was the thing that man told him like right before the shot. He's like, go like kind of sideswipe the car. And he like does it like way too much. Give him like fucks up the cab like really badly. Like Tom Cruise, like, whew, you almost got away there, didn't you, bud? <laughs> Crazy. See that cop that was gonna save you? Wow. Yeah, he just murders him. He's just gone now. Yeah. And there's no fanfare. We don't see Mark Ruffle uh, we don't see his body nope. at all. He's just dropped. No wide shot, he gets killed in. Yeah. I mean he could have a vest on. I don't know. He's dead. He's dead, Brandon. Collateral two. You never know with this guy with his sequel. Collat- Collateral two. Collateral two. Collateral two. Collateral two. Roll. Yep. The story of Mark Ruffle before Collateral. Somebody's pulling the body bag in. They're like, wait, he's still breathing. Tom Cruise gets out. Yeah. Five more names. <laughs> I mean, this time I'll be Timothy Chalamet. He is dead. He's a zombie, though. He's go, he's go, he's a grim reaper. That's he's his must, job in hell. Must find a new cab driver. What is this Uber? Scott's upset because he knows <laughs> studios are listening and they'll take these ideas and actually run them. Collateral two and three. We just gave two and three. Yeah, collateral two Uber. Collateral three Lyft. <laughs> Boy, that sounds fun. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, I'm surprised someone had their pitch. They got someone's gonna be pitching collateral but Lyft or collateral but Uber, you know. Oh, sure. There's probably already some it's script to video episode streaming miniseries. Oh, those those, watch. those scripts for sure exist. Like that with the... They exist. There's probably there are... a series on something we don't watch that already did it. Yeah, see, there are there are a number of movies that are set on lifts or Ubers involving sociopaths. Not this specifically kind of like an assassin, but yes, there are movies. Wasn't that there are... like a Netflix movie last year that was like Collateral with vampires? Yes. Um, hmm. Wow. Well, Collateral is a stretch, but yeah, it was, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Too, it's like Night Teeth, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it's called, Night Teeth. Okay. Obviously, I did not watch it, but I'm told it was terrible. Night teeth. It's with um the kid that's like the co-star in Bumblebee who pops up. He's an Alita also. Um and then like yeah, a number of vampires. <laughs> Jamie Foxx is very despondent while Cruz is like having the time of his life right now. His adrenaline's rushing. Yeah. He's like super, super jazzed about the whole club scenario he just got out of. We've probably talked about this because we talked about Manhunter before when we did our Hannibal Lecter series. But I guess what's your what is your favorite Michael Mann movie? Is it The Insider? Heat. Yeah, it's Heat. Yeah, uh, Scott, I know yours is Insider for sure, right? Yeah, but I like all. I mean, everything from Manhunter on is pretty great. A oh, Thief rules. Yeah, yeah Thief's awesome. Oh, Thief is great too. I'm just thinking of the Keep. The Keep. It's a weird movie. 
Once it gets its arrow special edition, whenever that happens, we'll be sure to. As long as he's a lot, he won't let that happen. He hates that movie. (laughs) It's an odd one. Yeah, it's just that. That's the one that seems just out of his elements. I mean, it's like I don't know what's going on. It's like it's Dune or something. It's a weird. Yeah. Somebody put it. I'm sure in you know Impulse or somebody will put out a a Blu-ray of it, but. Companies. Well, he also remember he's an uncredited uh, writer on Straight Time, which is an awesome. Oh, is he? Awesome movie. Yeah, which when I watched, I was like, man, this feels like proto like Michael Mann thief like type thing, and 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 I found out he did uncredited writing on that, so he was hashing out some ideas for a later film. what's your favorite man film gosh it's hard um the one i've seen my probably the most is manhunter but um strong as i am yes uh i like yeah heat and thief a lot um if it's not manhunter it's probably one of those two but you know public enemies enemies above all well that one's yeah Everybody. I did. I did like. I did like Miami Vice from day. Scott and I went and saw it at the Dollar Theater, and we were like, "That was really good." good. Miami Vice is terrific. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you've said this before, but it's a it's a situation where like the critical consensus seemed to forget that the original show was not campy, and yeah. it wasn't. You know, just because they had pastels and music choices that were groovy does not mean it was fucking. You know, Adam West's Batman. Right. Yep. Exactly. He just made a continuation of Miami Vice, and everybody was like, yeah. "Oh, this is gonna be a reboot or a fresh or a, you know, some sort of take." And, and that's it, it. Wasn't full of like references and all sorts. It was just the next chapter of Miami Vice. And that's the thing that kind of got not that, but the the fact that it was just like two long episodes of Miami Vice. That's what threw me off at first when I first saw it. When I revisited, it's like, okay, I get the vibe that this is going for. And it's not like I didn't recognize like how much man stuff was in it the first time as far as just the look of it and like the way they're acting. Specifically Colin Farrell, who's just even though he was what, like coked out of his mind during that movie, he's still like giving a good performance. Oh, he's really uh, good, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, it's like his dream. He obviously cast up from Dom Johnson to film Michael uh, Thomas to get Jimmy Fox and Colin Farrell. That's a dream casting for him. Advice for him you know? I, and I remember he had a he had a great just, mustache in that movie too. And I remember not that he's he did a mustache, man. Not that he didn't necessarily deserve it at the time, but like Fox is riding pretty high as far as like, I just won an Academy Award. I should be first billed. I remember that was a big thing yeah. going on. Oh, as far he, as the- Fox mugs all through that movie. It works, but he he mugs. He... Someone has to, like, as far yeah. as what the movie is. Like, it- well, yeah, because Farrell's not really mugging. Um, but that trailer park shootout is awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I, nice I don't give a damn what people say. Like, that's the three star <laughs> movie right there because of that sequence. Three stars, my. Hey, it's so no, bad. That's, no, at no, least, you, at least, you because start of that. at three stars yeah. because that. Exists I like when he grabs movie. uh, grabs her. What's the name of the actress? The, the Naomi the Harris. Actress. Oh, oh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Gong Lee. Lee Gong Lee. Yeah. Sort of grabs her, they jump in a boat and drive to Havana, like without even saying a word to each other. It's yeah. incredibly romantic. You know? <laughs> oh, by the way, the theatrical cut of that does exist on Blu-ray. If you buy the uh, Miami Vice Kingdom double feature disc. Oh, it has the theatrical yeah. cut of Miami Vice. Well, I, I like the kingdom. The so one in the theater right. started with the boats. Is that right? The, 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 the no, 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 no. The, club. the, the theater's the, the club, and which it's, is awesome. It's the a great it intro. The theatrical cut starts yeah. with the big boat chase thing that costs probably a lot of money, and they're like, "We should cut that." Um, but also, it's a lesser version of the movie, so I don't know. 
Yeah, the theater in the, in the club is you dive right it's into great, this world. Of like a great opening. It sets, yeah. Up the, oh, yeah. it sets up the tone, the style, like everything yeah. there. It's good. I love when Tom Cruise scurries off after the like when the like it, this whole when he crashes the cab and Cruise is pissed off, he starts like kicking and trying to punch Jamie Fox, and then the carps come and he just like scurries off into the night like a little vampire. It's just really funny. yes. And I like that there's just enough breathing room right here where Fox is like, okay, good, we're out of this, we're done. This is the the scenario is over now. It's like, oh no, that's right. Jada Pinkett was introduced to this movie for a reason. <laughs> Got to get, get it back, back into the plot. I don't know how he ended up downtown. By the way, They're like the, the he was he was at he was at a club. Then he was somehow in El Segundo. Now he's in downtown LA. Like I don't like I don't know how fast he was driving that cab, but um, it's just, it's a lot. But the but movie took place in El Segundo. What? Sorry. I'm just wondering when he was in El Segundo. Because they're, right, they're by LAX. So like they're in El Segundo that's right, for yeah, a while. Because <laughs> that's how they like lose the helicopters because they go like under LAX for a bit or something. It's probably a lot of driving around time we don't see. We just have to sort of assume. I get it. If it's and <laughs> driving in circles, yeah. doing zigzags. Miss the exit. Oh, hold on, hold on. But, again, but this is just, it's not a, you know, it's an LA movie, but yeah, not an LA movie where you watch to be like, problem. oh, look at all these, look at this realistic depiction of geography we're seeing. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's just like okay. Well, most of the most of the neon signs are out of focus, so you don't quite get a sense of where they are. Yeah, I like yeah. that. If New Yorkers can pride themselves on being like, this is how the subway works, we can talk about an LA movie that's a little offbeat as far as the geography goes. Well, falling down is the king of that. Oh yeah, he he. I've seen some. The someone online drew like a map once of falling down. It just it makes like no sense. Yeah. Like what it is. It'd be impossible and illogical to go in that route. Like he would have been home. <laughs> yeah, right. Fox gets his running in too. I like this right Eight dollars for flat rate parking? That's a bargain. Jesus. <laughs> when he it's takes the guy's out. phone and then pulls the gun out of the guy like just completely falls on the ground. Yeah. He's like, okay, take it. <laughs> Coming up, I remember Ebert and Roper talked about this. Like, and I showed this like a clip here where when he gets on top of like the parking structure, um, he's talking to Jada Pickett on the phone, and like Cruz is in the building. Uh, that's like it's such a that's the most like Hitchcock this movie gets when you're when Jamie Foxx is in the foreground and you have literally the plot happening behind him in a building, and because of the magic of digital cameras, you can actually show the building in that in that way. Yeah. Anyway. I like that he stays schlubby the whole movie, Jamie Foxx. Oh, yeah. Doesn't turn into an action star. Sweatshirt is always, always falling off his shoulder, you know. Nice. That's why, like, I, I know, like, a general criticism of this movie is that it becomes an action movie, the third act. It's like, I, it doesn't betray anything that, I mean, that's so? happened. Right? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Like, what do you, what, what's, what do you, what's the other outcome of this movie for what? I mean, but, like, and... the club sequence happens when there's, like, a half hour left in the movie. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. sorry for 
giving you 80, you know, 70 minutes of just, or 75 minutes of just rock solid character work and thrills and chills. And it gives you a finale that has some action. It'd be like criticizing yeah. North by Northwest for like, how come they have to chase each other so much at the end? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, 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 like, like, wait a minute, Bullet's going to have another action scene? We already had the car chase. You, you have a body falling on top of a, a cab. You have the guy getting shot straight up in the head. You have uh in the jazz club, you have him chasing Jamie Foxx across that brit like those are action sequences. They don't you know, and then you have one in the club with the shootout, but that's not the end of the movie. That's the turn into act three. I think the the complaint is like it's an action movie and like Tom Cruise becomes the Terminator, but it's like that's his character. Like, like yeah. the point yeah. of him is that he's a machine. Like he, he just he does a mission that he's like like he already was the Terminator. Like Yancy, this is where I think like the, if there was a point where he was not going to kill Jamie Foxx, that's gone now. Like I think this, yeah. this at this point, the only solution to this is he has to kill anybody involved. That's where he is. It's that he didn't shoot him after he crashed the cars. He didn't have his it's... gun. He couldn't reach it. He was trying to kick him and punch him and stuff. Yeah, but that's it's like a brotherly kicking and punching. Like why did you do that? I think when he once he enters the building to save Jada Pinkett, that's his like I'm gonna kill Jamie Foxx. I love yeah, the ang- the angles on the outside of the building during oh, this yeah. where you can see oh they're creepy. Mm-hmm. They they work so effectively. All this stuff showing him Vincent like slowly figuring out how to get to Jada Pinkett's mm-hmm. character. This is just really great stuff. It's stuff kids wouldn't notice nowadays because they'd be checking their phones, right? That's what I'm supposed to say as an old man right now. Well, the yeah. the whole building would be green screen, so it wouldn't look as cool either. Right, we'd be green screened. <laughs> he'd be like. Huh, look at the phone. I bet it's on four three. <laughs> what is this? A telephone. It looks like someone's on the line. Yeah, for someone who's who's never been that much of a stickler for seeing things in the theater, you definitely see images like this of the guy walking around an office space. Your eye isn't invited to search the frame as much as it would be if it's a big screen in front of you, you know? All right. This is great. Just the rack focus right yeah, there. Look at like, this. That's oh. so good. <laughs> Come to find out, it wasn't even Jamie Foxx. It was just some guy in the parking lot, and man thought, hey, that would look cool. <laughs> it would match. So he catches that thing that this catches very well. That thing, if you're driving home on Sunday night through through LA, and there's so many lights that are on up in those buildings, like yeah. random patterns. Yeah, why is that? Yeah, leave their lights on. It's still working all weekend. Like, what's going on? Oh, I always someone think it's probably Janet Pinkett and Jamie Fox and Tom Cruise trying to kill them, and... or it's a bunch of janitors reenacting scenes with collateral. Yes, exactly. The things that they want to do. It's like it's like those buildings when you're going from like if you're like the the valley crossing over into like Hollywood where you go through Studio City and there's like an office park where it's like yeah. Sunday it's all dead except for that yeah. couple lit lights on a building that's like exactly where I feel like they're at. I think you left your light on and went home for the weekend is what happened with those lights. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like Pinkett could get out of the situation pretty easily if having a you know direct line to Jamie Foxx. Like, just go one floor down. Well, get no, out of there. Have, no, we don't have a movie, Aaron. I know. <laughs> it doesn't seem like the most impossible situation to get out of. Why, why don't you submit to Cinema Sins? They'll like your answer. It's like, that's, that's, a, that's a whole ass building. Like, Tom Cruise can't just find it. <laughs> Jamie Foxx probably can't run his ass up there fast enough either. Like, if he... He knows the one floor that she's supposedly on. You just go one floor down. You'd be safe. 
And and this this whole thing's gonna take out the whole building. This one little. It's a big axe. Yeah. <laughs> but that matters. <laughs> We know it's not a small axe because Peter Paris has seen this movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you cast on like Jada Pinkett, and like you can believe we think, yeah, no nonsense. She's gonna believe him immediately and not being like dancing around, like, are you sure there's a hitman coming after me? This is not a line. No, there's a con- J- Jada brings a kind of confidence to just her presence that mm-hmm. you don't have to. You don't think she's gonna be freaking out. You don't think she's gonna be questioning. Well, it's, that's why it's smart to make her, you know, a prosecutor as opposed to like, right. you know, random person. Personality matches. Person on the jury. Oh, he murdered the fuck out of that guy. <laughs> Jeez. The, the, he got his gun. That's why he's got uh, a gun. Rural yeah. juror. Oh, yeah. See? Details. But today's, they'd be like, oh, he's missed. He took his gun. I talk to myself when I go through these things. <laughs> In case you're not looking at the screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's gone. Oh, no. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, I could take his gun. Oh, he already took it. <laughs> Empty. Heat, Heat is my favorite man, by the way. I don't think I said it, but uh, he's fine. Like, it's not like there's not great ones that are just sitting right there next to it. But It's, it's got Heat, a great Heat, ass. Yeah. I'm with you. That's great, by the way, when he, you know, he yes. tries oh, the, the heroics, you know, doesn't he quite work. Doesn't work. It's, it's a great bit of laughter when you're all tensed up. And the way he and fires the, and, the gun. And he, well, yeah, the safety's on, so he doesn't have that right. Oh, yeah. And then he's, pull, he's doing his John Wick impression right here. Where he pulls yep. a sweatshirt over his face. He looks like a like grandfather, like, oh, what's the guy? It looks like a guy that's never held a gun in his life. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't. He knows it's going to kick back, too. So he's like, all right, whatever. Uh, yeah, this is great cruise yeah. stuff. Like this silent stuff he's doing. Oh, he's a shark. Really effective. He is swimming. And you know, in light of ongoing discourse, this scene it's pitch black, uh-huh. shrouded in darkness, shot on digital, and yet I can still see everything that I need to see that's happening. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. It look. It's a good looking movie, mm-hmm. regardless of the supposed limitations it might have against him. And it is not even hyper stylized. It feels like he's created some sort of hyper stylization. It's it's insane. Yep. Well, it's not. It's it's dark because the scene calls for being dark, not for trying to be cheap <laughs> and hide things that you can't afford digitally. Yeah, there's not an Emirate Godzilla hiding in the shadows. <laughs> I hesitate to mention this, but um, as far as our next commentary goes, Godzilla ninety eight does turn um, <laughs> it does turn twenty five this year. But silver wouldn't be my choice, but it's, I'm not saying it's ours. I just I'm, I was looking up things that we could possibly do. We'll talk about it later. But um, so I noticed that it's twenty five. It's like, uh... is it time? <laughs> is it time? What what bothers me is that's a fucking long movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not really, short. yeah. <sighs> I don't. I've. I don't own that one on 4K. No, none of you bought it for me for 4K, so I don't either. <laughs> that was mercy. We like, none we of like you to get it. you nice things. Yeah, fair enough. He should have probably shot her. Yeah. There you go. Is your chance? 
I do like his general puzzlement. It's like, Mike, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, I love the instant shot. Like, oh, you aren't going to, you know. This is... Yeah. Audience clapped when I saw this movie at that moment. Because he's like, he shot him shot, in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he shot the... Oh, usually, usually they're dead. <laughs> that's, that's, that's generally the result of that. Here we go. Hit the button. And then immediate the... laugh. When... Trips on the chair. Immediate laugh, which was, which was not intended. But man, liked it obviously. <laughs> it, it's good. Okay. No, it feels like. I always that. say, it's... I love when they keep stuff like that in. Yep. Perfectly human. I love this yeah. when he throws the chair because then he slips on it. Like it's well, so, it's such a cool like yeah, and then like well, oh, he falls it, down. It's a, it's a nice clue in of Jamie Fox has a chance. He's yeah. really done yeah. something. Like yeah. it's, it's a nice subtle. Yeah, the chick in the armor, literally, because he blew a piece of his face yep. off. <laughs> Drop the, the needle. Fact that, I mean, the, the shot I means he's wrong about him. I need a hero. He could use that song, yes, for yep, sure. Right, right, here, right here, right here. Yeah. This would be where you check it in. Yeah. And he's gotta be strong, and he's gotta be gotta be fresh from the fire. Well, no, you know it when he's going up the elevator, and you but you cut back from it every time, so it's like it's silence with the tongue That's <laughs> 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 the elevator, and it's I need a hero's playing on the soundtrack. <laughs> we get a lot of these chases. we talked about this with seven where seven's like one of the ultimate movie chases because we have no idea where people should be going and it believably understands that mm-hmm. brad pitt's like i guess i'll go this way like yeah this is a movie that yeah. does that well uh, as far as like tom cruise is sussing out the right way to go but barely like this, especially where he has to like choose which subway he's gonna get on. That's good. That's good stuff. And I get why the editing nomination comes in. There's a lot of good editing going on. Obviously, it's a man movie. Of course, it's well edited, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right here. Oh, subway on top, subway on bottom. Also, a movie that reminds you that LA has a subway system. It does. <laughs> Have we done all the have we done all the LA subway movies? Speed, this, what other ones? Uh, doesn't have it has a a subway system that could be so much better too. That's a <laughs> there's only one spot where this is. Um, I remember from my public transportation days, but it's where there's a fork in the subway thing where it's like. This is it. This is where we go all over town. But on Seventh Street, uh... it's something like that, and it doesn't go. But it goes like two more stops after that fork on one side, and then the rest of the other goes just straight downtown to the station. This has got to be Cruz, right? But the stunt, yeah, <laughs> that's got to be him, right? He's he's had to be. He, he, he probably insisted, mm. right? Michael Mann's like, we'll get a guy. He's like, no, this is. I, I signed on to the movie because of this season. <laughs> <laughs> he's going full trainer. <laughs> yeah. Must really suck to think he got away and be like, oh fuck, he's got the subway too. <laughs> this guy's unstoppable. By the way, the subway in LA is not this clean. Not anymore. <laughs> and yeah. This is Tom Cruise. This more looks like a, those are like bus seats. They're not subway seats. I think they're on the subway. <laughs> yeah, but I think the seats are like just on the side, like this is a Michael Mann picture, Brandon. If he right. wants seats to look that way, he's going to have seats right. to look that way. 
whatever this the set does calls for. Here's more good Hitchcock stuff. It's like the we could leave, but we can't. It's right there. But he's standing. Oh no, he got off the subway too. Yeah, earpiece in looks like but the, the way the blood is. I always think that too. Yeah, like just the way it's the way There's he's messed up. Him. <laughs> Somebody's been telling him what to do the whole time. He's like Zeb from Saw. <laughs> I didn't want to hurt anybody. It's the rules. Same year. So <laughs> early hints. Is Saw set somewhere? Did we ask this before? Where's Saw set? Is that in a city? Nope, nope. It's, it's just a, like generic city, right? It's, it's seven. Like, it, there's an okay. indeterminate city. It's just the city. Yeah. James Wan's garage. I think it's set in Maui. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I know the warehouse, the exterior of the warehouse is in Burbank. We need more gritty crop jobs that just I happen to, to be set in Los Angeles in Hawaii. I, yeah. What, <laughs> When I did the the short film, I was in that bridges two and three. Like we went to the actual set from the outside of Saw two, mm. and it was it was in Burbank. Here's the whole deal: where they shoot at each other, and because Tom Cruise is so dead set on his thing, he shoots two two in the center, one in the head, and it misses because mm-hmm. it hits the door. And Jamie Fox is like, "Fucking shoots everywhere!" And as they hit him. I like that look of defeat that he has, where he just drops the clip. And he's like, ah, you "Got me." I just wanted you to like me. I guess we're done. <laughs> That's a good death. Like, he's like just the this this processing of like, ah, what? Do, all right. I'm guessing it's King of New York. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. It's been a while, but I think that's similar to how Walking goes out. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. That it is. I I watched that during the pandemic. It's pretty pretty similar. During the pandemic that ended, and we all celebrated, and we had that <laughs> that big that big parade that's a pandemic over. No more pandemic. Oh, yeah, there's a shot. <laughs> you can't see any new revelations now that you've seen the end of this again. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 by any standard, it's a pretty great movie. I just would be in my top three or four mans. What about as far as like Cruz's whole deal here? As far as yeah, he's a sociopath, but he does. I think the fact that he didn't shoot him at or he didn't kill him after the car thing, and even doesn't, and the fact that he lets him shoot him first, doubt, doubting that he'll shoot him at all, really means he didn't want to shoot him for some reason. We'll never know. Once he runs away from the cab, he's going for Jada Pinkett. There's a, you could, you could, su- su- there's a suggestion that he probably wouldn't come back after Jamie Foxx. Right. But when he, when, when, when Jamie Foxx pulls the gun on him and Cruz goes, well, what are you going to do anyway? It's almost this other level of a movie where. Yeah, no, I agree. This- but I mean, presume he, presume Jamie Foxx, like, Max doesn't go into the building and he's just right. out in the free world. You could, I could, I guess I could believe that Cruz probably wouldn't like try to find him after he kills. Jim. Well, no, because the incident at the nightclub kind of busted the 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 mirage that he's trying to create. Yeah, Javier Bardem was going to be know, looking for him every, already. Everyone knows that it's you know Tom Cruise as the hitman that did all this shit, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be some random cab driver with a with a hole in his head taking the bait or taking the blame. That's how the one 
gang henchmen yeah. will describe is like, yeah, I saw Vincent. He looks like Tom Cruise. <laughs> Just gray hair. It's weird. <laughs> in today's climate, there would have been a twist where Jamie Foxx wound up. He was the guy that hired Tom Cruise and he was just making sure he did everything. <sighs> Excuse me. A lot of good use of music at the end of this, too. We're not, we can't, we can't hear it, but it's mm-hmm. making a shot. And this mirrors the beginning. The, oh, the ending of this movie mirrors the beginning of, of Heat as far as the use of the, the prequel. Oh, yeah. The right. trains driving away, coming yep. in, leaving the station, coming in the <laughs> station. Sort of LA as this giant mechanical mm-hmm. thing that's like a clock moving silently at night. All these, this poor dead guy. And well, I guess that poor he's an asshole, but we're how long before someone discovers this guy dressed in a suit with silver hair dead on the train? Mm-hmm. Goes through his pockets. This is one of those booths that had no title at the beginning. It, uh, the beginning? We don't see the title till here in the credits. Oh, well, oh this was collateral. Chuck Russell, Frank Darabont. Look at that. The, the Elm Street team. Back, back at it. Oh, they both get credited. The cinematographers. cinematographers like because Paul Cameron got fired, but okay, they both got credit though. That's a that's a union thing, I'm sure. Why am I getting a next up Halloween ends? I'm watching this on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the natural, the natural next movie. To watch. <laughs> I'm trying because this is the summers where I was doubling up every day. I was always seeing two movies at the same time. I'm trying to think of what else I would have saw. I'm looking at the top ten right now. It's Collateral, Village, Supremacy, Candidate, Little Black Book, I Robot, Spider Man Two, Harold Kumar, Shark Tale. When did that come out? Shark Tales well, was October. That, with, yeah, that's, uh, that's in the fall. Ladder eighty, ladder, ladder forty nine. Yeah, well, but I Robots already. That's already Big Willie weekend. So you don't, you can't have two Big Willie weekends in one weekend. That's crazy. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's too much Willie. Um, I probably, if anything, I probably saw Supremacy again after I saw Collateral. This is the Van Helsing summer. Okay. It's like heavy action day. Because like a week later is AVP, which I definitely saw opening weekend. Because who, who wouldn't? Yep. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I couldn't. They wasn't playing where I was at. Really? Uh, Where'd you? They ran it on the coast initially just to get like Oscar buzz, and then well, they... the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the theaters in my area were like having a beef with Fox and not showing their oh, movies. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm trying to think if I because th- I, I I know I saw Open Water at some point, and I'm trying to think. I think I saw AVP. Then we jumped to Open Water afterwards. I mean, did well, you have time for a little Black Book? I didn't see Little Black. I still haven't seen Little Black Book. So. How many? Princess times? Diaries two, Royal Engagement. I know that came out, but yeah, I didn't see that. Skeleton Key. When did that come out? That's later. That's how many? The same. Skeleton Key. I think isn't that like April? Is that like early? Well, which one? Skeleton Key. Oh, uh, that was two thousand five. Because I oh, saw a year that later. When I was okay. in California already. How the number twenty three? Um, Jim Carrey. No, that's later. That, I mean, that's way that later. Point. That's like 2007 or. <laughs> How many times did you see Chronicles of Riddick? Only the ones because I was massively. I was so hyped for Chronicles of Riddick because I'm like, Pitch Black rocks. Now he's doing his own thing. Great. Let's see what PG 13. I don't mind. I'm not that. I'm not lame. I can deal with that. And then like watching the movies, like, oh boy, there was a lot of movie there. Like, I don't. <laughs> it's, it's not. I didn't un- actually sit and watch it until Blood, Bloodshot was about to come out. No, okay. That's what no. kicked you over you to do your, it. Well, you, had you seen Riddick? 
Uh, no, actually, okay. I never got around to seeing the third one. Oh, well, because that's oh, without a paddle. It gets things back on track. I watched that on an airplane. That was without yeah, a paddle. That's paddle a, was, I yeah. saw that in theaters. and was like, where are the laughs? There was one laugh at the beginning when Seth Green was driving to uh, Clay Aiken, and it was over. Oh, that came out the same way. Exorcist: oh, so I, The Beginning. I That's a movie. Definitely saw both of those at the same time. I saw. I, I'm like sure. I can guarantee. I saw what a weekend! Exorcist, and then jumped to without a paddle afterwards. I guarantee that's what happened. I'm not scared, and I don't want to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, Exorcist: Beginning, gory as fuck. It's, it is. In a way that I did appreciate. And the so, Paul Schrader version that I only recently saw for the first time, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Yeah. And they showed that one, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Open Water expands that weekend of Exorcist. So it's okay. probably, it probably was limited enough where I still was able to see it with AVP the week before. King Arthur. This is quite the summer, guys. King Arthur. Anchorman. Right? Anchorman. I saw King Arthur and Anchorman back to back with my dad in Pennsylvania. We had gone to okay. the Cari- we had gone to the Caribbean and we are on a layover. And so we just went to the movies and saw King Arthur, and then we jumped to Anchorman. We had so, a much better time with Anchorman. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see King Arthur in the theater, but I heard it because of my Anchorman screening at the crappy theater we at. You could, you couldn't hear because of freaking King Arthur blaring next door. Like you, you could hear it, but you could hear way too much King Arthur. It's a, I've never seen the director's cut of King Arthur. But I'm fixes sure. everything. It's better. Fixes everything. Everything. All your problems. <laughs> everything. All your problems. It becomes an A minus Cinema Score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Really should have released it's, that. Cut. It's the Kingdom of Heaven of King Arthur movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the Roadshow version is my favorite though. Yep. Okay, Arthur. Anton Fuqua just driving it around with Orlando Bloom. <laughs> or not Orlando. Uh, what's uh, Yoan Yoan Griffith? <laughs> yep, it's got a intermission you can leave at. It's great. For <laughs> come back. You don't have to watch the whole movie. It's awesome. <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> oh, we're done here. <laughs> that was a weird year because it's like we have Troy come out and it's like, what if we got rid of the gods? And then King Arthur's like, what if we have like magic but not really? It was like, what are we doing with <laughs> the fables, guys? Let's be a little consistent. Well, I was like. Yeah, I, I was like, "Wow!" Like Guinevere Battle Warriors, what they should have called it. Like, like they could have sold it on like that rather than just King Arthur. Different time. We needed Clive Owen as King Arthur, right. manliest of men. Yep. <laughs> I recall Ray Winstone as Boars was pretty fun though. He he was having uh, a good time in that movie. And like, it was Stella- a trio, a trio that- in that movie, right? It was it was Owen Knightley and who else did they sell Yo, on that Mr. one? Mr. Fantastic, Owen Griffith. Oh, oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah, he was Lancelot, yes. Oh yeah, he was supposed to be a thing. Captain Charisma. So I'm in a Baja French one. <laughs> <laughs> you still have the gray shrieks in his hair. That's Yoan Grafud. Puts mild puts mild sauce on everything. He's getting salsa. He's getting salsa. You're being really mean to I like him as Horatio hey. Hornblower. Like he was good Hey, there. you saw San Andreas. He threw some poor bastard off a bridge. Come on right. now. He's, he's, great. he's great in San Andreas as Dick boyfriend or whatever yeah. the Carlo Gugino's character. <laughs> I just love that he's such a firebrand of awesomeness that an amazing grace he gets out virtued by Ruf- Rufus Savell for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh my gosh. So um let's see. May May. May we have uh we have some things. As I said, obviously the <laughs> Ebers, Rolling Ebers, Godzilla. 
Um, uh, Rambo three turns like thirty five, I believe. Okay. The one I'm really considering, <laughs> well, honestly, speaking of <laughs> directors, we can't talk about. But I mean, X two turns twenty. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we've done X one and X three. <laughs> so our pattern. We should do X two. That our our, our pattern of doing the middle one last continues for some reason. Yes. When did Hulk turn twenty? Just like now. Same uh, June. 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 June three. Yeah. But that's obviously reserved for Hollywood homicide. Uh, so uh, let's see. Uh, Willow. I guess the world demands. <laughs> Willow. Wait, that's, that's reserved for what? Hollywood homicide. Oh, um, right, right, right. Yeah. The same, uh, it was Hulk weekend, then Hollywood homicide weekend. It was great for me. Um, <laughs> Soylent Green turns like what? Um, oh, wow. 50? 400? <laughs> Jesus. Dr. No turns, I believe, 60? Oh, okay. Well, you know, the James Bond people. No, Dr. No turned 60 last year. They, uh, oh, no, from Russia, with, they, from okay. Russia with Love. When does from that Russia turn? Russia with Love, which yeah. we already did. That was my first oh, commentary. Right. I, I guess they re-released Doctor No because I was just looking at release dates. I forget. Yeah, it is sixty-two. That's, yeah. that's, now that I'm because saying that out loud, Bond like, people did right. James Bond people did nothing for the sixtieth anniversary. So, and it's all me one set. It's a hundred dollars in their hands. I would have just bought a like a. They could have just put a single release of Doctor No out, and I would have been happy. That would have been enough. You start with the first one and plow. You're going to put them with all that? out. Yeah. Yeah. X2 it seems like a good months. bet, though. That, I think that's probably what we'll release. Yeah. Uh, plenty to talk about. All of the um, James Marsman scenes. Uh, but that's going to do it for this uh, month's commentary well, what, for Collateral. Yeah. <laughs> um, Poor James. Uh, so, we've, yeah, we've talked all about the movie. It's gone. It's over. Fun times, though. Uh, let's go over where people can find everybody online. Brandon Peters, let's start with you. Where can people find more of you? All right. Uh, the Brandon Peters Show is the BrandonPetersShow.com. We're almost there to the summer of 93 at 30, which everyone on this podcast has something to do with <laughs> on every episode. Oh, wow. Crazy. Crazy. That's going to be starting very soon. But first, before that, it's gonna I'm going to have a current era summer movie preview show with uh, uh, frequent guest Sabrina Graves. Uh, we'll play some games. It's going to be fun. So tune into that and that will show up and then have a recap at the end of the summer for what we've done there uh and then uh twitter instagram at bread 4 kuhd and why for my blu-ray and 4k reviews i like that thinking of commentaries for the summer because we've talked about all the 90s movies it's like we can't do any 90s movies for the, for the they're, they're all covered oh gosh <laughs> we can't do our free willy commentary we've been dying to do oh um, man, yeah that's true uh scott mendelson we're buying more of you uh, I'm at therap.com and I'm at Twitter, uh, or sorry, I'm on Twitter at Scott Mendelson. And Yancey Burns, anything you'd like to plug? Milky Way Blues, um, Yancey Burns on Facebook, Yancey Jack on Twitter. I'll be uh, doing some tiny little guest spots on Brandon's upcoming 93 series uh, with any luck. And, uh, you know, I'm here with you, fine people, whenever I get the chance. Right. You find everything I do at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. I write for Leave Entertainment and Wise the Blue, and I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. This podcast can be found anywhere you can find podcasts. Please go on to iTunes, though, or Spotify and leave us a rating interview. That'd be wonderful. And we're on all the socials and all that. I want to thank Yancey, Scott, and Brandon for joining me for this collateral commentary track. Well, oh, thank you. Very fun. Uh, that does conclude our I Love LA uh, commentary series. Uh, it's always fun to do these series, though. So I look forward. I to, love LA. I look forward to yep. what we would think, think of another uh, theme to wrap some commentaries around. This is, this is fun to do for sure. Summer of not your father's Marvel. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, let's see. One last thing for people that stick around at the end of these commentary tracks: Summer Gamble Eleven's coming, guys.
Oh, yeah. It's so hard this year. Summer movie gamble 11. I've way. been averaging finishing in 1.5 place the last two years. Wow. And still the global champion. Still the global <laughs> champion. Still the global champion. 1.5 place. That's what I get for betting on Jordan Peele. Always coming for you, Hoban. <sighs> Always coming for you. But yeah, that's going to do it for this commentary track. Thanks for the listeners for listening. Uh, tune in next month for probably X2, X-Men United as far as commentary tracks but go. listeners do. They listen. Yep. I don't I don't ask much of them. So, you know, I'm happy they fulfill the one duty they have. Yep. But that's going to do it here. So until next time, so long and goodbye. <laughs>